Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. Tonight on Miami Vice. You are not going to want to miss this podcast. This is one of the greatest things we've ever done. Yeah, we did Ask the Addict at the end. Uh, Long form. It is really, really late. We record the news typically after um, because it just works out better that way. Um, It's been a long time. Surf has been incredible. We're not going to do surf report. We're going to be fast, but our tans are looking sweet. I Uh, look better than I did in August. I'm just going to say that. I wouldn't go that far. Your tan does. My tan does. You say I don't look as good. You don't like my beard. So sparse. It's not as thick as yours. Your beard looks great. Okay, yeah. It's got no gray in it. Um, But that's why we're a little delayed on that. But uh, you are in for a treat. Um, That's all I'm going to say. Epic. Um, And and you might need to listen to this on your way to work and your way home for it because it's long. Okay, let's get us right to just two news articles. I'm going to skip right over the the girls going to the Boy Scouts. Um, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. That happened obviously a week nuts. ago, but we didn't record. But like, yeah, this is we're not even going to do that one. Oh, we're not. Ready? No. Oh wow. Because you like this one. The case against sugar, a potent toxin that alters hormones and metabolism. Sugar sets the stage for an epidemic levels of. Obesity and diabetes. Kills more people in this country than anything else, right? So virtually zero. That's a reasonable estimate Heart of the probability disease. that public health authorities in the foreseeable future will successfully curb the worldwide epidemic of obesity and diabetes. Dude, in these other Virtually countries. zero. Zero what? Zero uh, probability of that stopping pub- that to stop the epidemic of obesity and diabetes. Isn't that crazy? Um, and they go in. I'm going to post this article in our show notes about... Uh, just the hi- history of sugar and how much sugar is in our diet. And you've gone off sugar, right? I went a year and a half ago. I decided enough was enough. My life had become unmanageable. My pants size was growing. I was a 36. I'm 5'9", for those of you listening. I was a size 30, and my length of my <laughs> pants is 30. So, I, But my waist was 36. So when you buy 36s, usually the length's like 34 or 32 because they think you're a big and tall dude. Yeah. You know, like, And so not only do I have to get them him real short, but I would go to buy these suits for work, and it was like I'd have to get 44s wide. And I'm thinking I have a wide shoulder for sure. But it is an interesting. Once I finally lost all this weight, which I'll get into that in a minute, all, I went down to a 42, right? That was how much excess body fat on wow. me. So think about my sugar levels, my hormone levels, my heart, all these different problems that were going on. But basically, I was 210 pounds. I decided to cut out all processed uh, foods, sugars, simple sugars, things like that, sodas, uh, even diet sodas, sports drinks, which you know I love that Gatorade. You, Brad oh, loves orange, orange Gatorade. Gatorade. It was mm-hmm. like heaven, man. I would sip. Oh, man, it's better than the soda, right? No, dude, it's not better than the soda. It's got 27 grams of fructose corn syrup, not normal sugar. That's you know from the sugar cane. It's actually fructose made in the laboratory which, on top which, of a lot of food dyeing. Uh, it's like against the law in some countries. Oh, right? most countries' fructose corn syrup is banned, like all Europe and all other countries like that that care about their – and they have the lowest uh, obesity rates too as well. So, so go to Bison Flesh on Instagram, and you can see you – Yeah, you got to go back a year and a half ago. I was pretty obsessed out. for a while. There's a lot of selfies, but, dude, that guy, you were – 
Dude, I like, went. The transformation is was insane. I went from but, just but, pudgy to. But an your eight withdrawals from not going. Sugar, oh yeah. How yeah. was that compared? So to when drug I first cut, so I decided I'm like an all in or nothing guy, as we all know. I cut a lot of things all at once. Like I cut the sodas at once. I cut the food at once. A lot of people do one thing. I cut gluten for my diet and dairy, um, and everything combined. Those first two and a half to three weeks felt like I was detoxing from opiates like heroin um, and painkillers. It felt like I instantaneously got a flu, instantaneously had anxiety, instantaneously um, got dizzy every, throughout the day, um, um, memory failure, like, you know, um, just overall headaches just felt like death. So here I am committed finally in my life. for the fr- I've been wanting to do this for years at this point, but finally I commit to it and I feel worse yeah. for doing it. And that's why people mostly quit, right? Yeah. And then, but I pushed through it. And I, like I told you before, that fourth week or third week, whenever it was, it was like a bliss of energy and healthiness that like I hadn't felt in a long time. And I've been sober for years now from drugs and stuff. But that feeling that came later, the weight stuff was just an added blessing because the feeling that I felt, and even still this day where I'm not 100% perfect, I still feel so much better now. Well, that's my my wife did that uh, detox I told you she too. She did a cleanse, and, yeah. And, and it, I, sh- I've never seen her complain so much. And it was like she was relapsing off something. Uh, hard and it was just because she wasn't drinking sh- eating sugar no soda now, all the fruit it was crazy too and, like, and then she had so much energy after she went through that phase it was it was really cool yeah and then and it's crazy because then you realize how much sugar is in your other food like when you you taste something that's sugary you're like holy like i couldn't even like if i were to have like a soda or just like an orange gatorade my teeth would probably rot out instantaneously because they can't handle it. like you know what i mean you become immune this is how many people are immune this is why it's a worldwide epidemic oh, yeah. we're, we're immune to it if you yeah. count, you're only supposed to have the a male. I think a grown male is only supposed to have up to 30 grams of sugar. You know that's not a, there's three times that in a soda, okay. one can. So you're only supposed to have 30 milligrams. So anyways, so this is a long article. I'm sure you're not gonna read it, Jake, because nope. it's five. But I've already read a bunch. Of stuff five thousand like words. Whoa. Um, is it audio? Uh, you well, you can if you have the right browser, you can do it. So okay. read that up. Uh, What's it called? Um, oh, you put it's called the case against sugar. Okay, cool. We'll put that up there. Okay, next one is this one I blasted out a while ago, and I've been sharing this nonstop because I work with a lot of high school and, and college kids. It's called The Scary Truth About What's Hurting Our Kids. And it says, CNN recently interviewed this doctor, um, an author of iGen, and her interviews with wor- Worried Me. They worried this author because she saw the truth. You'd be facing in a few short years. Her kids are young. So this doctor did started doing research 25 years ago the generational differences, um, but between 2011 and 2012, she saw something that would scare her to the core. And that is the year when the iPhone mark went over 50%, and this is what, what the correlation was. This is the year that more kids started to say they felt, quote, felt sad, hopeless, useless, that they, could, they couldn't do anything right, AKA depression. They, number two, they felt left out and lonely. And there was a 50% increase in clinical levels of depression between 2011 and 2015. And the substantial increase in suicide rate before, I'll give you more, I want you to look at the graphs and I'll post a bunch of graphs. But if you look at those, Jay, look at that direct, cor- that's called a direct correlation. Yeah. Boop, like right when it comes out, look at the rates of, of happiness, depression are directly correlated right when the iPhone wow. um, gets out and like not enough sleep. And then, 
It goes through why is this happening? Um, why are kids more depressed? Go, I, I drop our kids off college, and he's like, at every Ivy League school, their counseling departments are booked nonstop. They're hiring counselors like crazy because this generation is going into college more depressed than and they're highly successful kids. Yeah. Um, and so here's a couple things. Why is this happening? So this is this author, and I, I've seen this firsthand. When we went to school, and my generation is a little bit different years. Actually, yeah. you didn't grow up with an iPhone or no. phone, right? So when you and I went to school even, we didn't care what we looked like when we were hanging out with friends because we were the only ones that were there. So you can sit around in sweatpants or whatever. Um, it wasn't getting it was blasted. Done. It was done, right? Yeah. Not getting blasted. It's not going to be out there on Snapchat and Instagram forever. And, and passed around. The bullies and repassed around. Yeah, see. that's the next part. What about bullies? When we left school, the bullies were there. Yeah. Now they go with you. They're sitting there with no, your phone in your pocket. <sighs> and then what about the not how many parties did we not get invited to? We had no idea. You had no idea. But guess what? Now every kid knows. And then knows the one time you would know, you'd be sad. Yeah. But it was happened so f- you wouldn't know. Right. We'd go over like oh, that one time, but uh, it was that one time. Uh, now every kid knows every time they're not invited to anything. Oh, I didn't go to go to Starbucks. Oh, I didn't go to this. I didn't go to that. Right, and so it is just a non-stop barrage. Dude, it was hard for me, like in recovery, when me and Lexi first started putting our family together, back together, because you see all these. Like I was depressed just from doing that same thing, looking at other families, going, "Man, they seem so, perfect." So adults are doing the same thing. I right? was, I was like, but how much harder when you're at that fuel. young age? Oh, and then you're at young age, right? If it so, was hard for me as an adult, how is it hard right? for a 15 year old? Doesn't so, even so get check out the number now. One in five children have mental health problems. Forty-three percent increase in ADHD. Thirty-seven percent percent increase in teen depression 200 percent increase in suicide rate from kids 10 to 14. That's freaking so soft. as soon as i read this 200%. my 14 year old son who's got a flip phone i'm like done he's got a flip phone forever which by the way like forever, it's such a huge example because like obviously my son is uh, idolizes your son he's six he's half his age but uh, under half his age but like that's something that like you know, I never want to. Me and Lexi, you shared this with me a while ago, and me and Lexi talked about it. And then we, 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 she read something else similar to this, or maybe read it from our page. Um, and she talked the other day. We're sitting there with the kids, and she asked them. It said some. Oh, our school had it. Like the school had something very similar to this, mm-hmm. and said to ask your kids how they feel. You know, about you being on the phone as parents. Well, that's the last thing here. Uh, like, they said all of that that our kids are dealing with, and then they go home and see the parents. And your parents are just staring at their phone the entire that's time. I do, and I freaking hate it because it's like. It's not that you're doing it all day, but they only see you at the end when you because like as a that's like, your depression. That's what your I used to see was my time. my stepdad and even my grandfather come home. They wouldn't vegetate on a phone, but they vegetated watching football, yeah. or baseball. Like but it was always a sport. Yeah, and you could kind of talk to him, but it was very similar. Like by the time my grandpa was finally done with his day, which was a long a day, like he did everything around the house, he yeah. would, all this good stuff. But then when it was time to relax, he sat in the brown chair, ate his Haagen-Dazs ice cream, had his drink, you know, my grandma would fix and. Not Mormon, and 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 but watch this thing, you know. And but you could sit there and communicate with them. Yeah. Nowadays, like, you're you to say it. like even my same grandpa, like who has he has Facebook, yeah, uh, and he's eighties. And uh, what we had in, in the family have noticed, you know, like different levels of happiness, you know, and he's always on it all the time. And even with me, like, it's just a freaking. This is just hard because there's so many blood. Like, there's been times where I delete, as you know, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. I go back on there and find that, like, there was someone who reached out. And it's like, hey, I've noticed you're in recovery. I need help and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, this is why I need to be on it. And I'll get back on it. And just for that one time, which does lead to some helping. But then it gets me sucked back in. 
And it's like such a double-edged sword. It's like, where do you draw the line? Because I read that other article that talked about the mind hijacking the mind. But we asked Rusty, we asked Avery, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and then a little 18-month-old. But the six-year-old and the four-year-old, does it make you happy when mommy and dad are on the phone? No. First time we heard that because they're like, they, like, they don't seem they like they care. They probably, yeah. Yeah. And then we asked a bunch of other questions, but it made us like, holy crap. Like, But, so, but how do you stop? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. so, but major issue that our society is dealing with that we're not dealing with it well. And I, uh, so I told Logan, so I told actually this kid at school, like he had a flip phone. I'm like, sick phone. I'm like, flip phone. I told him about this story. I, I have a high school, private high school. And I told him and he's like, He's like, totally. He's like, I broke my iPhone six months ago. He's like, I've never been happier. And I'm like, seriously, just saying? He's like, no. Like, he's, and I explain all this stuff. He's like, totally. He's like, dude, I used to, f- like, all, all that stuff. He's like, I feel so free right now. He's like, I want to be on it. I want to be on my iPhone. He's like, but I feel so free right now. To just do other He's like, things. I love it. And then the other kid next to it is kind of like, he's like, you know, you know what? My phone was broke like a year ago. He's like, that was actually pretty awesome. And, and they were just being real with that. And I told my son that. And my son's like, yeah, see that, man? Dude, I don't want an iPhone. He's like, I want my flip phone. He's like, because all I need to do is text. He's like, what do I need that for? Yeah. He's like, all I need is text. Um, I need a call. He's like, um, he's like I, I don't need – he's like, he gets on social media when we give him our phone yeah. to look at it. But get, that means that we're looking at his Instagram. Yeah. We're looking at all yeah, the stuff he's regulated. looking at. Really regulated. Um, but even then, like, dude – yeah, so I because uh, there's so many apps now too. Pa- parents need are me, like it's so much easier. Like give them a phone, like babysit them. That's like a babysitter. Give yeah. them McDonald's. Sit the back of the car, and I don't think that's doing well. Uh, clearly, so the statistics are showing that that is very damaging. Wow. Um, and you now see for you go to the elementary school, half the elementary school, half the kids probably Rusty's age probably have a phone. Sure. I don't know. Well, we give it to our young. kids. Like it's hard because like you entertain them all day, and it's so nice to just put them down. He watches like Legos, and they watch these. That's toys. different than the social media poll. Sure. Like your kids are younger enough. They're associating more with this with like social media. So, directly. so your kids are probably de- dealing with. Uh, I come home and I want my parents to be there, and yeah. like they say, kids beyond this, kids go home. Um, Children's get served with digitally distracted parents, indulgent parents who let kids rule the world, a sense of entitlement rather than responsibility, inadequate sleep and unbalanced nutrition, sedentary in their lifestyle. Okay, so endless stimulation. I'm doing good at some of technological these. babysitters, instant gratification, absence yeah. of dull moments. That's been like that's, absence yeah. of dull moments. Like that's where I found it the hardest. Remember, I told you I was like sitting there. I, being, I delete it, but then when you when you like I deleted the other day, I was on it two days, like not even twenty hours later. I remember because I called Last you week. Up. I'm like, I thought you were off, off. Of it. and I'm like, dude. The very next day, I was sitting in line, and I was somewhere, or I was waiting for something, and I was just bored out of my mind. I'm like, what do I do? I don't have so many emails to respond. Check the surf, watch the cam. Now what am I going to do? Like, Think about your own thoughts. No, I know, but, <laughs> I, dude, I, I, I'm not, that's not always good for an addict in recovery. So it was like, it was like I didn't know, I, you know, it, was, it wasn't enough time to get in a conversation and call someone or reach out or read, but it was just like, dude, it's hard because it, it um, you know, and you start justifying because of those dull moments, but then... Now I create those dull moments when I'm home. All right, so let's close it off with what this article says and tell me if you agree with it. I'll say two. Um, it says, what should you do? Get back to what we did before phones, back when our parents didn't, when they were young. Spend time playing games with our kids. Agree? Yeah. Agree. My kids love playing games. board games. Best time ever. As okay. a kid, I remember. Spend like, my mom dinner time games. talking. We do that. Uh, next one, drop everything that you're doing when your kids get home from school and talk to them. That's huge. 
Make dinner without having the TV on, the phone close by, or the tablet turned to something. For sure. That's a rule. Next one, use any car time to talk with our kids. Maybe not even allowing electronics in the car. Ooh, that's a good one. Have your kids do chores. Responsibilities increase self-worth. Example, if you don't set the table, we can't eat. If you don't wash your clothes, we'll have nothing to wear. (sighs) My son mows our lawn. Yeah, uh, he's a bad. Don't get out there till you mow the lawn. Still haven't mowed the lawn yet. I know. Thirty-one. Uh, develop high, de- to develop a high self-esteem person needs a purpose. My son's Huge. stoked when he sees that lawn looking good because he knows Huge. he did it. Yeah. Even though he doesn't know, I sprinkle some fertilizer on there, and I'm like, dude, look, look how good that lawn looks, yeah. man. He's like, it does. It looks awesome. Um, don't keep junk food in the house. Limit junk food and replace it with fruits and vegetables. Huge. You love that one, right? Huge. Because I would. If your child is so picky, they. You know what the biggest one one success we've had is we do not order our kids their own meals. Yeah. We like don't that. get them French fries and quesadillas when we go. Yeah. When we go to a restaurant, they eat our meal. Yeah, you can either have this or you can sit there. You can have this or if you don't eat it. And and luckily they eat adult meals. Like even our kids that are going to college, we still split meals with them. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I don't know. We just, I don't know why we get I that. I was but, picky until I but broke I, But when I own. see kids that are eating chicken nuggets, they go to a Mexican restaurant and they go next door and buy a burger, chick- yeah. cheeseburger. I'm yeah. like, that's. That was me as a kid. Yeah, okay. Hot dogs. Um, quesadillas. Um, take away electronics and tell your kids to go play. Don't feel the need to always play with them. My job as a, as a play therapist, I said, is to teach parents how to play with their kids to help them out so that. I always think that playing with your kids is a good idea, but I also want them to play alone. I yeah, want them to learn how that, to right? keep themselves entertained. Keep themselves entertained, not... And then entertained. correlate with each other, like, and to work those... Yeah, work through, work, work through battles yeah. and, like... Like, my son, Rusty's, like, into Legos. He's obsessed, and he always wants me to play with him. And I, I have to... F- sometimes I do, but then sometimes I'm like, no, I want him to, like, do that. Because he's trying to build something new, and he thinks he can't do it, and right. he just wants me to do it for him. You know, anyways, so that's so good. it says it is never easy to teach our kids these lessons, but they serve our kids it. well. He quickly made himself lunch on his way, talked to kids what they need to overcome was wrong, blah blah. So, um, I, I talk, I talk up. with my yeah. kids about uh, our, our addiction talks and what not by naming names, but what people are going through. Um, I had a parent call me, had a parent call me today that remember, ironically, the last podcast I asked you, we had. Parents ask about, uh, you know, found my kid smoking or whatever, yeah, and yeah. address it. Got that call today from a parent. Wow. And hey, with Logan in the car. Uh, I was, we were just leaving the oh, beach, yeah, yeah. and I was on my phone, and we're driving, we're coming back from lowers and on our bikes, and and he could see I'm talking on the phone, and I'm like, all right, gotta go. And then he's like, hey, was that a ARP call? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, let me ask you, you know, and I run him through the scenario, no name, yeah. right? Like, what, yeah, how, how does a parent address this? And he's like, well, that's not my job. I'm a kid. I'm like, I know, but. What would you say? He's like, that's your job as a kid. I'm like, I know, but no parent wants to have the discussion. Totally. And then... What do you say? Um, he's like, yeah. Um, he just said, you know... I got sure him internalizing. Had him internalize it to realize that. That's, that's the biggest thing. Is like and and he, he didn't know what to answer. And he's like, well, what would you do, Dad? And I said, well, I hope I'd never have to have that conversation. But if I did, I want the kid to come clean and talk about the reasons. And we talked about, you know, the temptations of Satan and the world and, and why would you do things. And yeah. it was just a great conversation. Do me and Rusty just had a heart-to-heart like that the other day about lying. And it was it – was, it's on the same subject because like I've just been brushing over it and just trying to turn the other cheek like it'll just grow out of it then finally the other day I like I realized he told me he broke down crying and said I lie because I don't want you to get mad at me 
Like, I'm not lying because I want to lie. Like, I tell you the truth, but you scare me. <laughs> and that was hard to hear because, like, I remember being scared of my stepdad growing up and, like, really scared and, and it caused a lot of problems. That's awesome that he was able to say that. Yeah, and he said it with tears, and I, you know how much I love my son. So it was, like, it was hard. But then after that talk, he came clean on some other stuff that happened at school or whatever it was. But then I just, like, made him a promise I wouldn't yell at him anymore. And, like, we left at that bond, like – He's, he's six, but he looked at me differently when we left. And, of course, I felt so much more control because I was feeling out of control. Like, how do I stop this? Mm-hmm. If he's lying, like, it's easier to just go look the other way because I can't control what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. I can barely control what I'm going to do sometimes. But, like, to be able to walk away and go, we made a pact together. Like, we figured out what was going to work. He promised me that he would tell me if I started to yell and he would remind me not to and then I would do the same thing lying. Mm-hmm. And it worked the very next day. We both did it. He looked at me, I started to yell, and he's like, he like got the stern look. He's like, "You promised," and like then I stopped. I calmed down, and then sure enough, he broke down, and then he told me what had happened with his little fight. But anyways, it's cool. Because what this stuff, yeah, it's progress, not, not perfection. All right, those are our news. Um, we're gonna get into uh, the share your is sh- insane. Well, your yeah. share and then the on step ten, and then a <sighs> wonderful aesthetic. Unreal. Do not turn it off. Share this with other people. Boom. And hey, by the way, thanks for those that are donating. Going to our Huge website, uh, commenting, sharing it on their social media. Um, call us if you want to be on. Call, call right? us. Or, reach or, out. I mean, reach uh, out. Call, reach out. Not a call, um, but reach we're doing, out. We're going to be on some traveling, uh, going up to some other stakes, yep. um, and sharing the good word of ARP. Um, and we wouldn't have been able to do that without your support. Yeah, so for sure. Thank you. Um, lives are being saved. Hope is being restored, and we're just a couple of dudes doing what we can where we are, and hopefully you're doing doing what you're doing. All right. Out. Shaka. Hi. I'm Jay Manact. Hi, Jay. Um, Grateful to be here. Uh, Daily accountability. I just think, always relate to whatever step we're on to, like, when the first time I walked into a room, and if I walked in and we were reading this for the first time, there's just there was just no way. I, at the time when I first walked into a meeting, I was so not. To, you know, it says this one section: Are you taking care of your your spiritual, physical, and emotional needs? Like when I walked into this meeting, like those all those things had been just they were dead. Like my physical and emotional and spiritual aspects. Like physically, I was detoxing. Well, I was still on drugs my first meeting, but first couple. And um, you know, like I said, I've opiates you name it, and whatever I could get my hands on. There's a few different prescriptions I was taking, but um, so physically I was done. You know, I was overweight, I was unhealthy, I was depressed. My you know mental health was gone. Right, my wife had left me. Um, I was sleeping on my mom's couch. We had another baby on the way. I had to drop out of school, which was such a thing that I felt proud of accomplishing. You know, because it was like a kind of a high school dropout. So to be in college is a big deal. And then um, spiritually. Yeah, there was no spirit. Like there was no connecting to Heavenly Father, like at all. Like it was, it was gone. It was. I could have church callings and I would I'd fulfill them, and I would love that type of stuff, and I loved going to church still. But as far as connecting with the spirit, no. It was always enlightened by like some type of drug or stimulant. Really, I was just feeling that type of feeling. And uh, so, what I'm getting at is, <clears throat> when you first walk into the meeting, you don't have to worry about the step that we're necessarily working on but there is principles that can apply to you daily right like just checking those three things like right off the bat it's like whoa have I even been taking care of any of these things right when I first walked in no I, all three of those things were checked off you know in the in the negative 
And uh, today even, now five years almost in December into this and sober, they're still not all three of them are perfect, you know? I was thinking, like, my spiritual, like, well, I, like, do things like this on church and stuff like that, but, like, do I, am I reading my scriptures daily? Am I making sure, you know, I say my prayers, you know, um, throughout the day, but, like, am I, like, reading, am I studying? Like, no. Like, you know? So that's what I love about this program is we get to reset when you come in here and you get to be honest with yourself. And then it can come out sometimes in your share, like I'm doing right now, or it doesn't have to. You know, you can just share about whatever you want to share about. The point is, is that you come and you connect with something, right? So when I first came in, I just connected with the fact that there was five or six people in the room in San Clemente, and two of them had been raging, three of them had been raging alcoholics, and the other two were, were drug addicts that were all five of them pretty much sober, and me and a couple other people that weren't, that were trying to get what they had. And they would just, that was it at first. I connected with that. I said, okay, if someone's been there, and then now, like, you know, they shared some stories after a couple weeks, I was like, okay, these guys are serious. Like, you know, these guys do know what it's like to live in chaos, and now they're not, and they're happy. And they're happy to see each other when they walk in, and everyone's just, you know, having a good time. I'm like, how can you have a good time in this place, right? Like, you know, this is miserable, you know, the fact that I have to be here, you know, and, and the fact that I have to be separated from my wife at the time. What I'm getting at is wherever you're at, it's okay, as long as you start making connections. And you don't have to rush yourself. This step talks a lot about what to do after you've done, you know, the first nine steps. But I think you can apply it right away by checking, you know, this, these types of things. And, and, and it talks about forgiving yourself. And as soon as you do something wrong, if you were like me, as soon as I would use drugs, as soon as I would do whatever the action was that was contrary to the gospel, shame, guilt, then justification. Because I couldn't live with the shame and the guilt. But I would shame myself and feel guilty, and to the point where then I couldn't do it, so then, it, you know, then I would start being mean to other people, you know what I mean? Then it just, it goes back onto the people who are closest to you. So, um, right off the bat, you can come in here and, and you can feel, you know, I, I, we testify that it's the Spirit, but you can just listen to these stories of people who have been where you've been and are saying that they're not there anymore. I don't wake up and take opiates anymore. It's been almost five years. When I sit back and think about that, that's insane. It was seven years. I didn't live one day without it. And the few days I did throughout that seven years, I was miserable. You know, and if I had detox and I wasn't sick anymore, I was a, you didn't want to be around me. Like, you know what I mean? I was very angry and, and I was dry, you know? And uh, now I can be able to, you know, when I was just talking to someone today, that recovery, it, it's just kind of crazy how it all, if you told me five years ago I'd be sitting right here, I'd be like, no. And then when I mean sitting here, I don't mean at the head of the table because it's not the head of the table. I don't know anything more than anyone else in this room. We're all collective in here together as a group. But I just mean still coming and sober. Like, because when I first went to my first meeting, it was not. It was all about manipulating my wife to come back to me. It was all about whatever, you know, whatever. It was some type of lie and manipulation. But now it's not. Now it's, you know, I, need, I get to reset. I get to think about some of these things that we're reading here and going, I need to do better at that. You know, and I, I've been thinking about that for weeks. When am I going to actually do it? That's how it started with recovery in the beginning. I, and except for in the beginning, it was just like, okay, I just need to be sober. So what I'm getting at is this thing's a progression. And whatever step you're on, you need to be on that step. And you need to finish that step and then move on to the next one. If you don't have a sponsor, please stay afterwards. Please come up here. There are several people in this room that have finished all 12 of these steps that are willing and able and more than willing than you will know to sponsor you. And they need it in their recovery as well. And that's how it works. And that's why I love this program is that there's no one, you know, in the church it's a little different where we have like leaders of callings and things like that. But the way this thing was set up originally is we're all in this together, right?
and that's how AA was set up. And I think there's a there's a divine principle there, like you know, and uh, and uh, we should all feel comfortable to be able to talk to each other no matter what about anything and and get, exchange each other's phone numbers. You know, they don't have to be your sponsor to talk to them outside this meeting. You know, call each other. I relied so much on the recovery of other people in the beginning, and that's what you're supposed to do. That's how it works. And then you start gaining your own, and then it keeps progressing. You know, and uh, so hopefully that made sense, but. I'm grateful to be here, and uh, I hope that tonight, that if you're if you haven't shared and you've been coming, you know, share. Like I said, it does. It could be two words. It could be one sentence. It can be that you're angry and you're pissed off. I don't care. You know, try to watch your language so people don't get offended. But just just share. I promise you, my first months worth of shares were didn't sound anything the way they do now. So okay, it was very angry. It was very bitter. It was very justified. And if the old timers that were in the room thought I was, a, you know typical, you know, justifying addict who's still in his addiction. But you know what? By sharing, uh, it comes out, and you're not that way anymore, you know? And now we can laugh about it. That's why me and Marvin are always up here laughing or Xander when you see him in the meeting because we're like, dude, we've been there. Like, we get it. And so we're in this together. But that only works is if we connect to each other. If we come here and we're still in isolation and we leave in isolation, we don't talk to anyone afterwards, then I promise you you're going to find isolation when you get home. But there's something about breaking that here once a week. And then if please go to another meeting. Don't just go to one. There's one right across the freeway tomorrow night. There's one in Irvine and in San Clemente on Thursday night. You know, and there's plenty of other meetings wherever you go. And so my my hope is that everyone will share tonight and take the time. I'd stay here after. If people gotta leave, they gotta leave. Just share. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Wife. Hey, how's it going? Hi. <laughs> it's going well. This has been a long time coming. Sorry, guys, it's taken so long. We had a lot of good intentions to record oh, one last week. Record. What's just, the problem? It came in. Well, this is the news, so we just we already done the news. Oh yeah. Okay. So what's surfing? What? Yeah. Sorry. We record uh, this segment usually after the news. Yeah. But we haven't done that yet. So Jay's jumping into why it has been recording. But we're going to talk oh, okay, about okay. this before. They oh, okay, already heard yeah. this okay, in the okay, other okay. segment. Oh yeah. It's ask the attic. Okay. Yeah. Ask the attic. Oh, that's why we said that in the beginning. Okay. It's been two weeks. I forgot how I our know. like whole thing works. I know. It's we got to be consistent. But how long have we been trying to get this guest on? Oh my gosh, at least a year, right? This whole time, since the beginning, we're no. like, man, well, about six, seven months at least. I guess we've been hoping for maybe a long time, but yeah, but haven't been pushing it. Um, have we pushed you? No. Who are you? No. My name's Corinne. Hi, Corinne. Um, because we don't really actually push any of our guests because we just want ask like that would be a real what you have to share because she's in a local one of, you know she's in one of our local meetings so but we always like that, what that per, how we identify is like that that would be a really you hear good a thing share in a meeting like, oh, that'd be so good and your experiences and the world needs to hear that um, and we put the invitation out um, and then sometimes it takes six months or whatever till someone's ready yeah so when I heard about this I was like yes <laughs> super pumped like we had someone line, like Brett you've got someone else and we're yeah. like I'm like nope yeah put the brakes on that I was like we have already someone for next week. guest 
special. That's how special you are. Okay, so you are not an addict. I am not an addict. Your spouse, which is a male, is an addict <coughs> in recovery. Yes, yes. And um, one thing, let's, let's kind of go back in time. Did uh, We kind of did some pre-talking before, but you knew before you got married to this gentleman that he had struggled with pornography. Correct. So we dated um, for a few months, and Neil, my husband, had a pattern of breaking up with people. So he, um, true to form, dumped me three days before Christmas, which was three months into our relationship, and didn't give me... You had known that his pattern was breaking up with... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When his, got serious his mom whatever. told me, like, okay. right when we started dating, like, oh, just so you know, Neil's relationships never last past three months. So, he's, so that's what he, that was his MO, huh? I guess so. And then he, um, you yeah. You took that as a personal challenge, I bet. Kind you of. Did, huh? I kind <laughs> of did, <laughs> totally. yeah. She's like, not, not um, with me. Not yeah. With me. Well, you know what, though? He, I was the first girl that he had said I love you to since, like, high school. Like, basically ever. For sure, I after his mission. I like Neil, because my wife is the only person I've said, only girl I've said I love you to. Well, yeah. if Lexi was here, she would just be like, Jesus. You, you probably threw that a lot, right? That's the easiest way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easiest way to get him. <laughs> All right, sorry. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> Look what it did to her. Like, she took on the challenge of breaking I the did. I was, I was like, curse. this guy, is, I've got him hook, like, hook, line, and sinker. But no, he. Um, <laughs> so he dumped me, and I was devastated. I really was in love with him, and he was professing that he was in love with me. I could feel it, too. Like, we just really were in love. And um, so we I will never forget. It was, like, the snowy night in December. We, you know, I kind of was, like, seriously, like, what is the explanation here? This makes no sense. We He was, like, let me take you on a drive. And we went on a drive, and he, I will never forget these words coming out of his mouth. He said, I have a problem with pornography. And I just was wow okay it was it was very surprising to me but also like my immediate response it was almost like the spirit just came in and I just had this like perfect peace and grace to be able to be like okay so tell me more and I didn't freak out and um so yeah we kept dating we we started dating again yeah we did so we we got back together I guess and um I, in true, also codependent form, was like, oh, I'm going to fix this guy. Like, yeah. I, I have all the answers. and So one part of you was like, oh, this honesty is cool. Because in relationships, you don't usually get that, especially when you're dating. Like, For sure. someone would say, okay, here's my problems. In fact, most of us try to do everything we can to hide our problems until we get married. And then we da- let them out. In that dating scene, it's like the best. It's the the, <laughs> I mean, you're only going to see the best of me. Yeah, you're, yeah. Right. Which is just natural. This is the way it is. Totally. So this kind of starts that foundation. But then you said on top of it, you're like, I also want to fix this. I yeah, well, this. and he thought he was telling me to just give me an out, right? Like, oh, she's going to run sabotage. as soon as She's like, okay, yeah. cool. That's the good reason. All right. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, and then we just decided we would kind of keep dating and see what happened. And at that point, he had just started going to not ARP, but um, an SA 12-step meeting that a friend of his introduced him to. So he was brand, brand, brand new in recovery. Like, Okay. Yeah, and that, that give you hope at the time, like, oh, he's going to a yeah, recovery, and he's he, getting, he's addressing it. He was honest sure. with you, and he was addressing it. For sure, and through all of the, the highest highs and lowest lows through all of this, Neil has always been consistent about um, having a testimony. He always wanted to overcome this. He never at any point was like, you know, well, screw this, I'm doing what I want, ever. Yeah. Um, at least when I've known him. So, um, 
so yeah, we kept dating and then, you know, ups and downs and he, um, he eventually decided to do an outpatient program, like a paid, very expensive paid pre-marriage or post- pre-marriage. Okay. Yes. So he started that and he kind of looped me in because we were getting pretty serious. It was right before we got engaged and then we got engaged. Um, and then a couple months after we got engaged, I found out he had been lying to me again and we, I broke off the engagement with him, which was completely devastating. I just, I had been through a divorce before and this was worse. This was just like going through hell because I had completely fallen in love with this person that I was certain I was supposed to be with and he was, you know, totally dropped the ball on me. So, um, that was super hard. And then we got back together a few months later, um, and just kind of took our time and dated. We got reengaged, um, and still just took things really, really slow. And he worked really hard on his recovery. And he, I mean, this is like totally the like shortest short version, but That's good. Um, but yeah, we got married in the temple, and we talked about this just a little bit before we started recording. But I feel a hundred percent like he was worthy to be in the temple when we got married. He worked hard for that, and I kind of was like, okay. And I did this like totally. Like, I feel like almost any spouse of an addict does this, and at least I did it, where I I was, like, with the best intentions, like, promise me you'll never do this again. Mm -hmm. If you love me enough, like, you will never, Jay's, like, smiling in your ear because it's so ridiculous. But I, in my greatest intention, I was, like, promise me that you will never do this again. And he... That that probably gets said by every spouse. Which is a good intention. Like, there's nothing... I'm smirking just not in the sense that, like, because it's... It's funny. It's just, like, because, like... We all say, like, if this hadn't been so severe, like with pornography, say it was just something else, like anger or whatever, it would still be the same outcome, right? Because nothing's overcame just by a promise, right? We think that way. We read it. Sometimes it comes off, like, right? I, I don't know, not to go off on a tangent, but sometimes we think we're just going to overcome something just because we love someone or For because sure. we want to. For sometimes sure. these weaknesses take time, right? Well, and it and takes no more idea. than just willpower. That's yeah. the whole point of meeting. Totally. 12 steps so you make he makes this promise he's like yeah i'm not gonna do it and then you just are like cool we're good yeah and i was like i clearly laid out my my expectations for him were um not that he needed to be perfect but that i expected him to be a worthy priesthood holder but you were open you were open because a lot of women aren't like to be honest like with me i think about me and lexi like Mm -hmm. she has a harder time expressing the things that she she wants and so it can leave a lot of room for, and I think some some of the addicts that I've worked with are the same way where our, our spouses are, you know, sometimes um, pushovers. I don't know. I don't know. More more like easy to manipulate. Easier to manipulate. Yeah, o- almost because of their own faults of like not being. They really have these same standards, but they have a hard time expressing it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and but I like the fact that you laid it out in the beginning, so it. Not that it's easy. Not that either way is easy because obviously it was a struggle for me and Lex, a struggle for you guys. But the fact is that I think so much in marriage and in this whole life, the biggest challenge is expectations not being met because one of the other of the spouses is not really laying out their expectations clearly, right? Mm-hmm. So like we, and they expect the other spouse to play like a guessing game and to try to figure that out. Anyways, sure. I'm just trying to applaud you for laying it out. Well, I was just, you know, doing what I thought was the right thing at the time and um and i had learned a lot about boundaries i did that outpatient you know very expensive recovery program with neil 
When was so that? Wait, my what? side that of that. Before they got married. Yeah. Like before you got married. Before and then into probably our first year of marriage. So it was. I think we were in there for two plus years total. Like thousands. Like this of, is, thousands of dollars. This is like basically paying to go to a meeting, after rehab. Like after the initial rehab, that's thirty, yeah, sixty days, whatever. Yes, they're small groups led by a like a clinic clinical therapist. Okay. So. And so, it, but it's it's therapist. like mimics of a free meeting, right? It's um, mimicked like a meeting, but yet. Kind of, yeah, but you, but, but they you have pay for more, it. yes, <laughs> and you have like workbooks, and you have, um, but yeah, but anyway, so I thought that I was like so knowledgeable, and I I had all these skills, and I knew about setting boundaries, which boundaries are awesome, and I I fully yeah. support people having boundaries, and like we said, laying out the expectations, but I kind of thought like, oh, this is going to be the fix. If I'm if I'm strong enough in my boundaries, and and if he loves me enough, like this is it. Yeah. And so I said, like, I don't expect you to be perfect, but I expect a worthy priesthood holder. And I figured that if he had great intentions and I had great what intentions. What did that mean? We're, I don't expect you not to be perfect, but I expect you to be a worthy priesthood holder. Okay, because um, get, God doesn't specific. put us down on this earth and say, like, okay, now just be perfect. Yeah, right? right? Like, we just heard that in so conference. So with pornography addict, that means I can look at uh, Victoria's Secret where they're clothed, but um, I can't look at Playboy. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what it means. No, and I don't want it to have confusion because there's a lot of rationalization justification, especially with sure. pornography. And drugs, it's easy if I'm taking a drug, yeah. I'm putting it in my mouth, I know, or I'm drinking, yeah. I know. But per, we're exposed to pornography the other day, I think. Like, right. Pornography, and the definition is anything that sexually arouses or like causes yes. a peak of interest. Right. And I mean, that for for that matter, a, an addict, can a pornography addict can be walking down the street and lust and have lustful thoughts and get into their addiction in that way. Just, like it's just, everywhere, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, but my expectation was that Neil would do whatever was necessary when he had slips or when he had bad days or what. And this is this is like again my best intentions at the moment with the yeah. knowledge and understanding totally. that I had mm-hmm. was that if you have slips or you're having a hard time that you're going to take the necessary steps either with your own repentance or if it needs to be addressed with the bishop to make sure that you are staying worthy so you're going to like stay on top of it. That was my expectation. Okay. That anytime I needed to go to him and say like I need a priesthood blessing, blessing yeah. you're you're on it. You're ready. Yeah. That was my expectation. And I felt like if it was if that was good enough and that that was something that like the Lord could ask of him, that that's what I could ask of him. For sure. That's kind of where I set up my expectation, but um, Which probably most women that are listening felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. but it, gosh, so I, wish I, could, I wish I could say that was just That it. was it, and then it was just oh. fine. How many years now into this? So how long have you guys been married? So we've been married six years now, and um, I would say, yeah, so we struggled a lot, like when we, we were still living in Utah at the time, and and Neil, Neil stayed sober for a few months where he... Um, I don't even know how exactly how long it was, but maybe like two or three months, and then life got hard. And and one of the most powerful things I've learned about addiction of any sort is that it's pain management, right? So mm-hmm. I used to take pain it's, and stress management. Yeah, right. anything, yeah. boredom, Jesus. loneliness, whatever. But um, yeah, you you haven't learned to deal with life on life's terms. You've learned to deal with life in a way that like you just numb out with your ad- addiction of choice. So. Um, and these are things that took me a very long time to learn and not that it, it was that I wasn't good enough or that I wasn't... It wasn't personal on you. Yeah, I wasn't, like, satisfying him or that I wasn't attractive to him or that I our relationship wasn't good enough or that I wasn't cute enough or I wasn't making 
good enough meals or whatever. Like, I used to obsess about, like, what am I doing that's not... Taking it on yourself. Yeah, and that really that has nothing to do with it. It's, um, life is super hard sometimes for everybody. And when you've learned to cope with hard things in life through an addiction, that's just, it's just too easy to go back to that unless you have the steps to show you how to not do that and that and initially when i first came to meet i was curious because sober is a term when you're not uh imbibing or getting high or mm-hmm. drug right but then pornography addicts use the word sober totally and, it, and at first i'm like that's kind of weird because it's not they're not right but it's the same thing those in recovery for pornography they associate sobriety no different than the alcoholic who's not drinking so if they're not masturbating and looking at pornography that's being sober as same right. with someone that's not drinking or taking a pill or smoking or whatever it is. Yep. And um, and let me tell you that um, a pornography addict who's drunk on their addiction acts just like uh, an alcoholic who's drunk on... So give, so give yeah. some, uh, it's some just, specifics of that. Because we have a lot of people that aren't addicts or maybe they... I think sometimes maybe they suspect someone in their family. Yeah, maybe is. a spouse is listening to their family. Sure. Well, well I think we've all seen it. You guys have seen it when somebody's like entwining themselves into, you know, one of Satan's traps. They just act different. They're irritable. They're they are super defensive. They. Um, it's interesting that that always happens. Is yeah. the irritability. Yeah. Like, you know, like. Uh, why do you, you can you figure out why that is for you, Jay? No, I feel like. Um, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's the internal battle within the individual, the addict who's using, but por- pornography or not. But especially with pornography, that because um, at the time, sometimes when you u- when you use pornography, the addict's like, okay, it's justified because you feel this way, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, if God didn't make me feel this way, or if I was born not having these struggles, then it, you know, and you come up with all these different excuses to why you do. And then afterwards, though, then the guilt comes, right? It's very quickly, and some people, depending on where they're at in their addiction, it's rapidly. Sometimes, you know, I could think back to a time where I didn't even feel guilty at all, let alone right. like, you, you know, yeah, until maybe at church the next Sunday, you know. Mm-hmm. So that would be days. It wasn't right? immediate. Guilt. It wasn't immediate, and then there was times like, you know, after my mission, like when I got this fellowship, the spirit was gone. I didn't feel guilty at all, at, at all, and I was like just left to try to not do it, and there was no reward with or without it, um, because I wasn't going to meetings. I didn't even know about them, but. Um, it's interesting the irritability that comes like Lexi can always know when there's there's a struggle because usually the, and I think that comes because the internal battle right we, we hold we have we have this like battle inside the addicts and I've said this before inside of our minds I think a lot of people do but addicts especially like we have this like there's literally like two people inside of all of us I feel like away from most sure. people but with addicts um, especially if we've had this ad- addictions for a long time you're constantly like we hear, like, you you know, if you're doing really good, well, it's like then you start to get nervous because you're like, well, when am I going to fall? Because I've always fallen. Mm-hmm. Or <clears throat> sometimes you're just bored and out of nowhere these thoughts come, like, and it has nothing. It's just because and we've chosen to put these things in our life and the adversary, you know, like we've taught. That's why the strength in youth is so powerful for youth. It's like don't even go there because if you go there, this is a lifelong battle to keep the door closed. Right. Right. And then so that internal battle happens and then we're just irritable. We just find ourselves more irritable with our loved ones. It has nothing to do with the loved ones. It's just you're just you're, you're walking on edge, like eggshells in your mind that then when any conflict comes up, it's like, whoa, whoa, like this is shattering my own conflict. Like, right. You're having an internal battle in your mind. And then when someone else tries to battle you for something completely different, you're like, whoa. I'm already having an internal battle. Yeah, like, I don't need your crap, too. Of yeah, I don't need your crap, too. Like, it's not even you're just taking it out. You're just, like, you're already stressed because you're battling yourself all day long. Right. Do I come clean? Do I not? 
Do right. I try? Do I not? Do I give up this time? Not. And then all of a sudden someone tells you to do something else. You're like, whoa, like I can't deal with this crap right now. I'm like, but it's because it's all eternal. But no you don't one see knows that. that you don't see that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And pornography is so different, right? Because so different. with um, with pills or with you know alcohol or whatever, people are gonna smell that. They're gonna yeah. see it. They're gonna see traces yeah, of it. It's, sure. Eventually, you'll always um, see it. Yeah. yeah. And it's a little bit harder to detect, but it's not impossible. But not and impossible it, and it, for sure. It surfaces like the truth comes out eventually. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't even remember. So where do you, so where do you go from there? So, so now you're in this, you're in this six years marriage, but like, so, so now you're finding out he's relapsed, he's struggling. All right. What's going on now? Is he going to meetings? Are you going to ARP? Where are you at? No, no. So, um, so when we lived in Utah, we did that outpatient program for a long time. And you're not super stoked on. No. Um, because I felt like, um, and Neil has better feelings about it than I do. I think we did learn some valuable things, but I felt like they paraded people in and out of there and were like, you know, Joe Schmo here got sober and his wife, and they're going to talk to you guys about, you know, what the possibility is if you give us all this money then and you just show up like to these meetings. It was exactly a sales pitch. Like, then you can be just like them. And there was just the deepest yearning of my heart that just wanted that so badly. And we were not in a great financial position to be paying for this. But we were like, there's nothing more important than getting this right. Because insurance is not covering that, right? No. <laughs> no. I, I, I've and heard so many people say, I will pay anything, anything to take this away anything. from me. Yeah. And Neil, um, again, like, you know, we're sitting here talking about all these negative behaviors and everything. Like, you guys know Neil, and obviously I know him better than yeah. anyone except maybe like his mother um that i actually think i know him better than his mother. <laughs> but i um but no he is good to the core he will For not sure. find a kinder such a good man heart. who just wants to do the right thing he does and he is so there is not a mean bone in his body he just wants to be good he wants it so badly and i wanted that and i wanted us to be a happy family but he just would it was just like this just horrific cycle of he I could see that in him the desire to do the right thing and to make amends with me and yeah. to but usually it came out because I would discover that he was it. lying oh, yeah. almost always because he can't stand being the bad guy he hated being the bad guy he hated me being upset with him so he would lie I would catch him in it and then um he would feel horrible and he would promise me he would you know it was just this vicious cycle yeah. and then he was just like i just don't know how to not do this like yeah. i just don't know how to stop um and yeah to just make a long long story short like things got kind of bad and intense and difficult to the point where um i think we were really like what are we gonna do here like what you know is this ever gonna get better how are we gonna how are we gonna ever overcome this and I was pretty desperate. And my friend, Mandy, from the blog Vintage Revivals, had been really open Vintage about... VintageRevivals.com. Give vin- her a little plug. VintageRevivals.com or Vintage okay. Revivals on Instagram. Um, Mandy had been really open about her sh- her and her husband's struggle with um, his addiction to prescription drugs. Hopefully and how she's super open on her... Website. She is okay. super duper open. Okay. It's on the World Wide Web. She okay. Is, and she's... she's they have no anonymity okay. whatsoever. So, um, yeah, so she had talked about how they had gotten sober and that they had found recovery and found, like, a real lasting, tangible solution through 
the ARP 12-step program that our church provides. And so finally, in my desperation of like, hey, freaking nothing is working. We have tried everything. We've tried going to the bishop. We've tried, you know, yeah. going to couples counseling. Like you go to your own counseling. I go to my own. Yeah, consequences, um, expensive, expensive outpatient rehab, everything. I was just like, okay, well, none of this is working. And I had heard another woman that I um, – she grew up in like the the circle behind us and she also ran an ARP meeting when I was you know deciding whether I could marry Neil and if if I could handle that challenge she kind of had talked to us also about you know I think you should talk to this one young woman that we meet with in our meeting she really she has done the same outpatient program that you and Neil did and she didn't have the greatest experience and she feels really strongly that recovery shouldn't cost anything and I remember that sticking out in my mind and then um Mandy had talked about ARP and so I called Mandy because I had a relationship with her and I said Mandy talk to me about this like or maybe I actually I think I Facebook messaged her and I said like we're thinking about doing this I'm desperate like we just need to try something new because what we're doing is not working and this is like insanity right that's the definition of insanity Mm -hmm. doing the same thing over and over and not getting different and getting the same result same result expecting a different result Mm -hmm. it was not happening and she said okay you need to go to an ARP meeting you need to go to general ARP not a specific like pornography for women and or you know a por- like men only pornography. Yes, and then the spousal PASG pornography addiction support group. And maybe th- I'm sure there are great groups out there that exist. But she said, I really think you need to go to general ARP. You need to go together. And so I was like, okay, we'll try anything. So Neil and I showed up to our very first ARP meeting in Sandy, Utah, and it was just us and the like senior couple who was called to that you know as their mission and it was so awkward <laughs> it was for you it was four of us all right yeah. so awesome. awkward what a party but two old people and you two. we did it just like we do it here we read through the 12 steps and then we read that week's step and yeah. we shared and i just remember i felt the spirit i yeah. was like okay there's something to this hope. i don't even know that it was hope at that point but mm, i could feel the spirit, spirit. Yeah. i felt the spirit and i knew it was a good thing and then we moved to San Clemente shortly thereafter because of a job for Neil. Um, actually, we we really felt strongly in the temple that we were supposed to move to San Clemente. So it was really random. And Or to Southern California. Neil got a job out here. We moved out here. It was like it was just weird how like God put the puzzle pieces together really fast. Yeah. And it all came together fast. And it was like we knew we were supposed to be here. Um, and pretty much I told Neil, like, if you want – us to stay married I need you to take this ARP thing and and try it um because I'm I'm I don't know what else to try and we can't afford we could we did not have any extra money and at that point how many times had you gone to that other ARP meeting with you and the other couple oh we maybe went a couple times three or four times maybe okay before we moved out here can I read a quote to you yeah um for sure in last general conference from Elder Ballard um and what was there was a lady that said recovery shouldn't cost money yes i like that quote because it's listen to this in some places too many of our people are looking beyond the mark and seeking secret knowledge in expensive Uh, and questionable practices mm -hmm. to provide healing and support an official church statement issued one year ago states quote we urge church members to be cautious about participating in any group that promises in exchange for money miraculous healings or that claims to have special methods 
for accessing the healing power outside of properly ordained priesthood holders. Wow. And I heard there that at a conference. I was like thinking, because I've heard so you say that before, that there's there may be really great groups and, and there are great therapists, but it's a area where it could be very easy to take advantage of people and people right. are very desperate and they're right. willing to spend and do whatever anything based upon whatever claims and and i've seen the miraculous healings through the atonement we call it the 12 steps but the 12 steps is really a walk through and applying gospel principles in the atonement totally um for that healing um so when i read that i was like but like that's a testament of what that lady said and what i've been kind of promoting for sure. Yeah, so um, Neil started going to ARP in San Clemente and... Um, by, by himself? By himself. Oh, okay. By himself because we couldn't afford... We didn't even babysitter. know. Babysitter, okay. Yeah, and like babysitter was expensive and we were just like getting used to... <laughs> and we were selling our house and anyway, there were all these factors mm-hmm. um, back in Utah. So he was going to ARP for a little bit and then he came home and was like these meetings are good. I think you, I think you should try going to them with me. And I, it's funny cause I was the kind of the instigator of that at first, but then, um, I just kind of had no desire at first. I was like, I'm just so burned out of you, like just relapsing over and over. And obviously they're not working cause you're still, you still haven't figured this out. So I, I'm like, that's your thing and that's fine. But I, I don't need to be there. So you go ahead. Even though your friend suggested that you both go. Right? Yes, and, but it and was you also, felt something in the other meeting. I did, but I also was just like You're so you're tired. I was yeah, I was. I was I was resentment. burned out yeah. and I was super like, resentful. Yeah. I hated everything about it. Like at recovery. this point it had been years. Yeah. A lot of money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of and broken promises, time. Yeah, okay. Totally. Hopes being crushed. All yeah, and I just was like, this is your problem, not mine, and you go right ahead, but um, it's like still not even working that well, so whatever. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I was super bitter. And um, he finally convinced me to go with him maybe after a year okay. of going, and um, he was friends with Jay and Lexi, and he had seen Lexi there, and that was part of the cell. Like, there's this There's cool girl couple. there that I think you'll really like. And, he didn't say um, cool guy. He said cool girl. Did you yeah, hear that, Lex? Everyone it, loves Lex. She said that today. <laughs> she said that to me today. But even Lexi, with how cool she is, like, I went to the meeting, <laughs> and I was like, well, kind of. I was like, I kind of don't really like any of these people. And I didn't share my first, like, three meetings. I just sat there with just, like, But say exactly how you felt, because you've shared this before. Oh, yeah, no. What did you think when you were in that meeting? No, I just was like, these are all a bunch of, you know, we're all going to get together and, like, justify with each other, like, just how hard addiction is on us. And we're going to, like, you know. Like victims. Like yeah, like we're all, we're all, like, it's, like, you know what, bro, like, it's okay, you had a bad week, me too, and it's fine, and just keep trying, and I just was disgusted with the whole thing, um, and even Lexi was so sweet, she, like, tried to reach out to me, we hung out once, and I was just like, I'm not gonna be friends with this girl, like, who, she and her husband think recovery's so great, and they're so grateful for addiction, I was just like, <laughs> gag me, I was so So you heard bitter. in that meeting, I'm thankful for my addiction. Oh, yeah, and I, from, like, Jay and Lexi, and I was just mm-hmm. like, these people... <laughs> clearly did not go through what we went through because if they did they would never say that because i was just so bitter and i i wanted to punch jay because jay was just like so happy go lucky about recovery <laughs> and i was just like this guy is just such a chump like he thinks because recovery is so great so isn't that crazy like as she's talking i'm thinking about because i remember when neil first moved in i remember when you first came 
And I remember obviously when I first came, but because you weren't there when I first came, right? And when Lexi first came and yeah. you didn't hear her, it's the irony is, is I felt the same as an addict. When I first came, I felt the same way you felt. Even though I was being dragged there from a friend, I was going to manipulate my wife to not leave me. I was going there to try to do all this stuff. But when it, deep down inside, I thought it was going to be just like you said. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to this meeting because I've been to one men's only pornography addiction a long time before this. But now I'm going for drugs, right? So I go, and I, and I remember that other meeting where it, that's what it was like. It was mm-hmm. like a bunch of dudes that are all still, no one had recovery, but the room was full. Mm-hmm. And there's people that are in their 60s and 50s that are talking about pornography that they're still suffering. And yet they're coming every week and they're trying to sell me to come back. I'm like, why would I come back? It's not working for you and you're 50 or 60. And at the time I was remember 20s, like when I was going. And so the irony is like, we don't like we it's crazy, but it's natural. Like I would have felt the same way if I were you. Like if I walked in, I mean, I felt the same way as an act, let alone as a wife that, you know, or as a spouse that's like love, you know, just just hopeless really that's the mm-hmm. only word that comes to it because then when you become hopeless then you're just bitter right when yes. i'm hopeless in my recovery or like addiction or what life i'm the most i'm the worst person to be around because everything's bad mm-hmm. and nothing's gonna work and anyone who's happy i want to i want to just but like it's crazy because we don't know where we all came from because like if you had been there when we first came you would have saw a lot of like what like i was neil even said this right like neil told me one time after a meeting that when he first met me, too, he thought but like Neil he, had met, seen his story from a year. Before. He hadn't seen me. My he saw me. He came in around me getting my first year chip. Okay. So like he missed that whole first twelve months where like, but he had said too. He's like, man, even when I first met you, I thought you were fake, right? Because like right. no one can be this stoked about life. Mm-hmm. And but if you ask the people that were there that first six months, uh, the furthest thing from happy, the furthest thing from stoked, the furthest thing from grateful. Like I totally. was just like you. I was miserable. I was angry. I was all these things, but it was towards myself, towards mm-hmm. God, to my wife. Like, you know, it's just crazy that, like, we can – there's so many metamorphic because now we're going to get into how the, how a spouse can morph. Yeah, so quick quick tangent because we're talking about therapists, and, and I was talking to a spouse uh, of an addict um, right before this, and she kind of had a uh, – she, she exchanged some words with a therapist who was on a podcast where she was like, I don't like it when you call yourself addicts. Like once you've got sobriety, you should stop saying that. You shouldn't kick down your play no. yourself. Yeah. And 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 I and I and she was like kind of pissed at like why would she say that? Because um, there's so many reasons and power that come from mm-hmm. someone sharing in a meeting, self-identifying. Not only that, she's like, if my husband hadn't have heard that guy and that guy identify as an addict, that they were where he was, he wouldn't be where he is today. For sure. And and I had to explain. I'm like, well. First of all, most therapists aren't familiar with 12 steps. They haven't seen that. They're not trained They're not in it. That in and and identifying as an addict, because I've been a student of this, is not about you. It's about that other person. It's also about you keeping you humble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's equally and sometimes more about someone else. And you're being selfish by, by not sharing. And, and maybe you don't need to be like Jay and, and your friend and be public outside of a meeting. But inside those meetings, there is a specific reason why addicts identify totally. as addicts, right? Um, and and share a little bit about their history because then it could connect with you. Like, um, you'll probably go on to say that you kind of learn more about his story. But your first impression was, "This guy is happy, go lucky, thankful for an addict." I want to punch him in the face. Yes. Yeah. Where does it go from there? So, um, for those listening, that probably yeah. the, who knows how many hundreds of like to be honest, like people that are listening right now that or addicts or spouses of the addicts that are feeling the same way. Maybe they're identifying with just hearing the story of your husband, trying all these different things and it not working. 
but yeah, they haven't been to ARP or a wife that has gone a couple times. But it, I mean, I know we all, you and I both know several people, several wives that are in that same shoes where you were. And even though they're hearing your testimony, it's hard for them to grasp hold of it. I've had friends say, why would I go there? Because no one's a professional. No one's gone to college for this stuff. No one has the letters after the name to give counselor advice. advice. Yeah. And I'm like, you're, yeah, you're right. It's, it's another addict helping another addict. Yeah, it's another, who's, yeah, it's just life. Who's gone through that. And I can't explain how it works. Exactly. Well, I can. Okay. Yeah, go go from where it goes from there. Okay. So, well, I think you all could if you just opened up, you know. <laughs> but um, sure. we have the answers right here. I know. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. But um, so, yeah, Neil went, for, Neil went for a year. He finally got me to go. I came the first few meetings just didn't even share because I was just like, I just hate, I hate yeah, everything about this. I hate recovery i hate that these people half of them are lying i'm sure of it neil i felt like was lying because your um, best friend your spouse had lied to you yes and, like, and because it just felt fake i was okay, like this yeah. is just seriously the most disgusting worst thing it ruins families it ruins lives why is everyone so happy about this yeah. and everybody's just like i was disgusted with people who were ruining their families' lives and yet coming in and being like hey, you know what, man, it's okay, me too, like, just keep going, I just was like, ew, um, but, but, like, thank goodness that the Savior is so patient with us, because he still, in all of my bitterness, somehow broke through that, and helped me to feel, I feel like my heart was in, like, these layers of ice, like, just Mm -hmm. thick ice, like, ice, like, layer after layer after layer, but somehow, I still feel a little bit of that, like, the light, pierced through that a little bit and I knew that there was something good there and I knew that I felt the spirit and I so, wanted that so, so you were badly. kind of pissed in the first few times you didn't go for a while what brought you back well so so I went three or four times didn't share anything and then my first few shares Jay was there I was like so you had gone consistently though oh yeah she, once, came, she started coming with him almost every yeah. week once, okay. I, once I decided like I'm kind of like that like once I'm in I'm all in Okay. and I was like okay I'm going to go to these I don't really like it but I feel the spirit, and I knew we were supposed to be there. And then my first few shares were something like this. Like, I don't really like being here. It's really uncomfortable for me. I don't really like any of you. I'm really upset with my husband. <laughs> but You're Jay's really honest. No, it's good. But I was like, but I know this is the, a good thing to do, and I'm really struggling, and this is super hard. And, yeah, I just was like, I don't like it here, but I know, I know we're supposed to be here. And that was about it. And then... Um, and, and Jay w- it wasn't a facilitator at that meeting. He was just a, a participant right. he there. Right. Yeah. He was but just Jay, a participant. But Jay shares... All, when you listen to the podcast, you hear Jay share all the time. If Share. Please share. Whatever's okay, on your mind, right. get it off your chest. Right. And you that was obviously did that. It was helpful. It helped you. It was like just the baby step that I needed to be able to be even open to... Okay, I'm, I'm going to like kind of put myself out there with these people, even though I don't like them. And I feel like they're all... And this is in your home. But you're being day. honest. Like like yeah. the honesty, like when she says she said that, like she said that. And she said that with her husband, City. She said that like I didn't want to be here and all this stuff you and stuff Jay about... You going quiet and loud. It's because he yeah, leans way sorry. back in the chair. And I, can I, be, I just move a lot, all right? <laughs> just move but, forward. um... Don't yell in the mic so I'm not going to yell. <laughs> I was about to. Thanks for stopping me. <laughs> sorry. Where would I be without Brad? Um... Uh, so she actually would say that she she would say those things, and she said it right in front of Neil. And um, even though, of course, one part of me 
was like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Um, be, for like for Neil and Nicole, look at it, the look on his face. But I once again, I didn't know where Neil was at, right? Like, because Neil was pretty mm-hmm. private. Like yeah. he'd call me every now and then, he got my number, and we talked. But no one knew if he was actually working a program. No one knew if he was actually. I didn't even know what his addiction was for months, like yeah. almost for a long yeah. time, almost a year. Long time. Um, and then he kind of would start talking about. The point is, is you kept coming, and then you started sharing, and it reminded me a lot. Did like you I share said, share in times where Neil did not. Uh, no, no. I usually, yeah. if he shared, I would share, and then if not, we would just kind of sit. Okay. He shared almost every week though, because Neil likes to like he he. First of all, he was That's trying. Why was, he was trying as much as he could. It's confusing because sometimes it shares. I'm like, dude, this is like so much knowledge. So I'm like, he's got to be working did, a program. Because like, we he's did never that. Because yeah, we did. You the, learn a lot that, of the language. Yeah. And, and, and it sounded like a dude class. that had been in it for years, like okay. recovery free. Like I could have thought if she didn't ever show up and say how like he keeps messing up that one no, time she I said. No, I never said that. Well, yeah, I don't think you, that's why it was still confusing because I'm like, why is she so bitter? But yet he's like doing so awesome. Like because right? we didn't know. Like didn't, right? Yeah. Because that's the game of the addict. For sure. So. That's the disease, um, right? It yes. just fuel, it's just and fueled. especially with pornography, it's like all There's like so man behind the curtain. Like, well, what especially is in the church, there? right? Like, I mean, when you think about, it, like, think about this. Like, I, I don't know about you, but like being a convert, the biggest thing I thought when I when I first joined the church, um, and I, I believe that like because I went to institute, I like I became a student of the gospel. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. just come to church and like totally. just come for the girls or the friends or whatever. <laughs> like, I did like the girls. Benefits. Don't get me wrong; those are those are benefits that came with the territory, but. Like the one thing that I remember learning the most was like this sexual sin and is like worse than murder. Like that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. So then every time it's, I would commit that scripture say next to not next to, but dude, but the way it's taught and the way it's felt for most of us. Um, and then if you imagine if you have this thing where it's been a coping thing for your life, like for me, it was way before the gospel, let alone even if you had the gospel, it was before you understood the gospel, or whatever you f- start to like learn really quickly how to like uh to 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 like layers of lies because and you're like i don't dude yeah. if, if they find out i'm like i'm next which, to cain or is, abel which is, right like, which is really interesting because i've i've asked like addicts of both i'm like do pornography do you think this is worse than drugs they're like no drugs are worse but then on the other side of their mouth they're like well yeah but sexual sins next to murder and smoking weed is not yeah. but yet like it's such a dichotomy I, I, where like dude i feel a rationalization i've, I've had to like, kick drugs special... i've had to kick cigarettes i've had to kick alcohol and i've had to try to stop with pornography and sex hands down the hardest thing when i when i was going on my mission was pornography and sex period nothing else was harder than that i mean i smoked two packs a day for seven years dropped it in the hat alcohol every day and i was a raging alcoholic like been hospitalized and stuff like that dropped it the friends dropped them the, even my relationship with some of my family dropped their activities that we did on Sundays and stuff. Pornography and sex was the hardest thing and still is to this day is a harder thing to keep in check than anything else combined. And it, there may not have a physical effect like drugs, like where I was yeah. de- you can literally physically detox from a drug, but I'm talking about to maintain a long-term like recovery, sobriety, whatever you want to call it, abstinence 100 percent because of our world we live in and because well, i think our minds but, are but, powerful but, but we are with memories we're it's born hard. with we're not born with an inhate inhate like an innate desire to get drunk for sure or to smoke we but are all born yeah, with an innate to desire to procreate for sure that and yeah. so and then i had a brother say and then those that have bastardized that and abused it it's it really screws things up. satan is god and, he, and he's satan's god 
it, it's like well, he takes so much. exactly and then that comes off when we say it i'm sure for a spouse like you saying when you hear someone like say that and back in the beginning where you used to be where you're not anymore where you're like oh that's an excuse and you're like i wish it was an excuse like I, because it be, it becomes such a it's just not like you said dude it's it's the adversary knows all these things mm-hmm. right like he he's the only one that didn't pass through the veil right and all of his followers so um he, he is using everything he can and once Anyways, but just go on. That was a tangent, but no. so yeah. Well, so you, yeah. So you you're attending. You're starting to share in the meetings. Yeah, and, and we, you're you're being honest. Like you're not stoked to be there. But you're sharing. You're not really almost. convinced mm-hmm. that the twelve steps of ARP are gonna be a help. But you felt spirit when you were there. Yes. And you're gonna. Yeah, and there were a few moments, right, where like the where things that were said like broke through those layers, and I remember. One of them being um, Eric. Are we allowed to use his first name? First name. These are just sure. like general No one knows who names. Eric is. Okay. You're probably making that name up. I'm not, but. Um, no, you are. Nobody knows who he is. So he used to say, "You, all the things that you need in this life are free. You can get baptized for free. You can get married in the temple for free. And you can get sober for free. And I remember him saying that, and it just like pierced me. I was like, there's something about this. You're going to this. They're going to be like. Whatever, I don't care. How dare there's, you? There's something about that that was sure. like, it was it it was truth. It just felt right. And I was like, I know that this, how could have, and I've said this to Neil so many times, how could have my father give this challenge to so many of his children with no solution? It's just not, he's just too much of a loving God to do that. Totally. There's no way. And he's not going to say, oh, only the people that can afford $50,000 a year on this or whatever. I'm making yeah. that number up. That's not what we hour. spent. Some people, yeah. But whatever it is, yeah. Easier more. That's not that's he's not that would not be him being a just that would be god fair, yeah no so um that and then i remember a few meetings and so i remember that being like a turning point for me to be like there this is more than just a good place to feel the spirit this is where people are getting it and then i was watching how long did that take gosh maybe at least six months okay. and then i was watching people like their lives changing and miracles happening and it was like those layers started to just melt a little bit and then I remember one time, so the way these meetings work, you know, at the very end, what are you called? The, you're not the facilitator. Group leader. The group leader, mm-hmm. who in that meeting is James. At the very end, I remember one time he was talking about the importance of getting a sponsor. And he got so passionate like he does. And he was like, if you don't have a sponsor, find one. And he was like, if you feel like you don't have a sponsor, like nobody here will sponsor you. He was like, I'll do it. He raised his hand and he was like, I'll be your sponsor. I'll be anyone's sponsor. And it was like in that moment, I just saw the pure love of Christ. And it was as if he was, I mean, I don't want to get weird, but like it felt like he was Christ himself raising his hand, being like, I'll do it. I'll, I'm, I will be that person for you. Yes. And it was so Christ-like and it was so pure. And it was just this moment that like just broke through multiple layers of ice for me where I felt like. This is real, and this is really what Heavenly Father set up so that people could overcome this. So let's just pause real quick. So if you're listening to this and you're in an area where you're showing up and there's a senior missionary couple (laughs) who got called six months ago to serve a mission and their assignment was to run an ERP, that's beautiful. That's great. They're being Christ-like. But you may not, I mean, that's not how the program's supposed to work. You need to have a facilitator like Jay or whoever another was in that meeting, another addict yeah. that's in recovery, and you need to have people there with sobriety mm-hmm. that can be sponsors. Yes. And there's a lot of groups I talk with, and they're like, sponsor? What's a sponsor? And 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 
you need a sponsor. And we talk about this all the time. If, you, if it's your first podcast, go back and listen to every person we've interviewed is in addict recovery. They didn't get there by themselves. Their bishop wasn't their sponsor. Another addict was their sponsor in recovery. And if your group is not preaching that, talking about it, or you're at a meeting where there's a bunch of 50-year-old dudes that no one's got sobriety, pull up ARP.LS.org and go to another meeting if you really want to get sobriety. Because there's some that are brand new. They're trying. They don't know what, you know, they, they just got called their right. mission. It's great. And then my other thing is if you have sobriety, quit being selfish, get to a meeting and volunteer to be a sponsor. Yeah. Because I have I have heard other therapists go, no, you're good. You're bishops even like, don't oh, aren't you done? Yeah, aren't you done? You've done a 12 steps. You've been you have you've been sober for 12 months. You're, yeah, you're good. Like, stop going. You know, go to this. You know, I'll give you a calling young men's. And then they're like, well, I can't go to this other meeting. You are being selfish because you are uniquely capable of helping another individual and repairing years or decades of damage or divorce or death it's so necessary and it's like the circle of life too because you know we hear um obviously can't use his real name but the kid in the red shirt over here tonight talking of jimmy (laughs) talking about some of his struggles with the same addiction that neil has and just like some of the raw like i was trying to drive to an essay meeting and then i saw this trigger and He's talking about those things, and I can hear Neil saying the same things. And it's just like, it really humbles me to hear other people who are in the situation that we used to be in, and it makes yeah. me grateful. Well, and it, and it's so helpful for him to hear you or, or Neil it's, share. It is I, I the get circle, that. Of, yeah. Um, and then if you're, uh, I guess one other point too is if you're, I I've, I'm I'm no expert, right? But I've always wondered like, why is there this passage? Because the ones I've been to and ones I've heard about do seem and there's probably some working groups that work great and there's guys with recovery in there but um but the advice that you are given is go to a general addiction meeting and bring your spouse yes because we have one uh, here and i'm like in the uh, the guy who leads that is very passionate is like okay maybe you're just brave enough to come to this meeting with a bunch of dudes and you're willing to get to this level but mm-hmm. now if you want to get recovery you go to a general arp and you bring your wife and you start sharing and experience that and, and experience other people, too, that have long-term recovery. Right. So can I give my opinion on that? Of, this is so all about opinions expressed here. Those are the opinions of persons who express them. Perfect. We do so not necessarily represent LD's Family Services or Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Go ahead. Disclaimer. Yes. The disclaimer is you guys This is just our down. experience. This is just, just our experience. Yeah. We're not claiming to be experts, but... Yeah. For sure. So, Neil... Yeah, Neil did... Um, SA meetings in Utah before we moved out here, and it was very strict. It and, was like and a SA, close and SA Sexaholics Anonymous. Is a twelve-step program, Sexaholics Anonymous. It is non-denominational. It's just like AA. It's just, it's just like just Alcoholics Anonymous, except for people who struggle with some type of sexual addiction. So his meeting that he went to was like a Saturday morning meeting. It was just for men, and it was a very closed meeting where you could only be a male who struggled with that to attend that meeting. And so he went, you know, for months maybe even years and um and I was trying to do the right thing so I would support him in that but there really was a lot of like resentment that I built up because there were all these secrets right and like he would share with his buddies and it was like his recovery buddies and I never knew what was going on Mm -hmm. with him but he was sharing it with them because he could trust them you you knew he was sharing this stuff but didn't know and he was calling them and he would like bail on me if one of them called him and like we'd be in the middle of a dinner and he would like step out to go take a call and it was just like this like secret society of like all these secrets that were and secrets are the lifeblood of addiction that's one of those like Mm -hmm. sayings that you hear and 
um, it was hard on our marriage. And I think that maybe for some people that works. For us, it was a struggle. And there were things that he liked about that a lot. And I think that there are things that he'll always feel grateful for that he learned there. But ultimately, that wasn't, it wasn't enough because it didn't utilize the atonement of Jesus Christ. And he brought me once to like a weekend, they did like a little weekend retreat for all of the spouses or family members of the people who are going to that Saturday closed meeting for just men. Awkward and he, <laughs> you know what? It was, it, I, it I was passed. Like, we'll hear to Not back. just for you, just for all those spouses. Like, well, think of all, they probably felt some of them the same way you did. I don't know, no, but to back way up, I remember yeah. the shame and, and just awkwardness that I felt the first time I walked into that outpatient program that we've talked about a little bit here, where I walked in and it was just a room full of men who struggled with pornography addiction. And I just felt like, it was like I had like, you know, ants crawling on my body or something I was so uncomfortable and then as you do more and more of that you become more like okay actually these are just normal people and um so I had gotten to that level where I wasn't like completely weirded out about being around addicts who by the way are just normal people Mm -hmm. um and so but so when I went to semi-normal when I went to that um weekend retreat thing I was weirded out, though, because it was like people were in there doing a share, which I had never heard before, but they were saying... Because this is your first time hearing like first a type time of share. any type of a 12-step meeting. Yeah. And I was hearing people say things like, oh, my sponsor saved me, and 12-step saved me. And, you know, at the very end, they all held hands, and they said the serenity prayer. And I was just weirded... Counterculture for Mormon. Weirded like, out beyond, yeah. like all description and I walked out of there and I just looked at Neil and I said if this works for you that's great but this is not this doesn't work for me because I'm sorry I believe that Jesus Christ saved you God saves you like not your sponsor and so it was just weird it just didn't add up but I knew it was good because I had had a grandfather who had passed away like drugs and alcohol killed my grandpa like smoking and alcohol killed him when I was six years old and we had a super close close relationship he got sober right before he died, but it was too late. And so I knew, and he got sober through AA. So I knew that the 12 steps were good, and I wanted to support Neil, but it just, like, there was just a disconnect. They're very so, different from the church. So, like, but, I went to one in my early recovery, and even me being as raw as I could be and worldly as I could be, I didn't, not that I didn't feel comfortable. It reminded me of going to, when I was in high school, before I was Mormon, going to born-again churches. Like, be, even though they're very non-denom, you know, whatever, they do a lot of similarities because, obviously, Bill Wilson was influenced by a Christian group. Like, the holding the hands, it's a prayer. It's this very, like, um, there's a lot of good but, things from it. But, but anyways, there's, there's it's, just, it's, it's complete, what I'm getting at is completely different from the church in every aspect as far but, as like but not necessarily because oh for because sure a lot of like people, we never hold hands and say a prayer well, that's true there's never. some there's some <laughs> things that are different or, so, or uh, road presentation not, prayers like we barely you know it's yeah. not correct to say the 12 step AA or, or SA is completely different no um, but it's, no, it's actually it's different. actually very similar and yeah. I here's here's the thing is and that I think mm-hmm. that depends on what you're talking about an AA meeting you're, they're saying the F word like every other meeting like yeah. Which is, and then they're they're serving coffee in the back and they're all going out to smoke. So it is a little different. It's but, yeah. different, but okay. So here's the thing. In my experience, I can't speak for anyone else, and I'm all sure I that. All I want you to speak is your experience. Okay, I'm sure there are people who have found. I not. I'm sure I know people who have found genuine recovery sure. in twelve step meetings, um, that are non-denominational. But having the the strong conviction that I had of our church, 
it just didn't feel complete to me, right? Yeah. And so when I walked into my first ARP meeting and we read the 12 steps and they incorporated our Savior Jesus Christ, I was like, this is it. This and is I it. knew, even though I was so bitter and I was so, I was just hurt and I was just tired. I was so tired of being lied to and, and um, all of the hurt that came through addiction. I was tired, but I, it felt right. I was like, this, this is it. This, this is, is like, it. this is what I, we've been looking I for. I knew that it was complete and I knew that it was right. So, but Jay, we recommend to people, like if you're in, I don't even know if Wichita, Kansas has an ARP mm-hmm. or whatever, but like get to a 12 step well, AA meeting. Absolutely. Sure. I, I didn't mean what but I said to come off that way. No, that, like, it sounded like that, but oh, it's, no. that's contrary that, to what a, we say, but not at all. But it's like, look, if I'm in, uh, I'd go to, if, if, if we, I'm if in ARP mainland, today, I'd be at an AA meeting, today, mainland like, China. And I'll like, I want to learn about Christianity and the churches there. Like, we'll go find a Christian group. Mm-hmm. Like, go learn about, it's not going to feel like the majority of the things I've learned is uh, the irony is, is from AA books or AA totally. tapes or AA other things. Like, you know, and, these and the reality is, some people need more than once a week ARP wherever they live. For and sure. Getting to an AA, SA, OA yes. meeting is there's like good, better, best, right? Totally. totally. And I feel like I, I link uh, once again, it's crazy because me and Corinne, obviously, we're separate. Like, I'm an addict, she's the spouse of an addict, and yet. We both came to the meetings with the same feeling, but then also I found too that like, because I had friends were like, "Hey, you're a serious drug addict." Like, all right, I was abusing drugs for most of my life, and they're like, "You need to go." At the time there was one ARP meeting in San Clemente, and they're like, "You need to go to another meeting if you want to live." People were saying that you need to go to more of one meeting, but I felt in my heart kind of the same you did, and I was like, "If I go to anything in the world, that's too easy for me to find." To like, you know what I mean? I was already on the find, fence. Dude. I, I, my testimony was like oh, okay. holding on by a thread. Like, you know what I mean? I knew that. Um, and any influence from the world at that time, in any aspect, not like it was done on purpose. It's just anything. It was enough for me to like, could go a, that way. Go to a meeting and like I'll light up with a cigarette. Or, or yeah, or yeah, that. And then on top of just the fact that like maybe it's let's keep this maybe because they're kind of they can be they're higher power. Well, that could lead me to being like very justifying leaving the church. You know, I was very nervous about all these things. So I felt the same way you did. I was like, if, if God, I remember thinking this cause my, a lot of friends in recovery were going to meetings 90, you know, every day. And mm-hmm. I was going to once a week. Okay. And I was just as gnarly as they were. And, uh, but I felt in my heart. I was like, if, 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 if this is the like, if this is where the healing is going to be like the Lord, it's in the church too. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I what I'm trying to say is like with the manna and they, they were given a little bit of bread, right? But that sustained them. I felt like as low as my testimony was at the time, I felt like even if it was once a week, the, the Lord was going to make that hour and a half be enough to get me to the next Thursday. Next you, Thursday. You remember one of my first questions to you was like, when I see in the movies, people are like, I got to get to a meeting. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you do when that happens? And you're like, I got to wait another week. Yeah, and I, I thought well, that was crazy. Phone, I was yeah. like, I had to subsidize like, you know, and the Lord inspired me to subsidize and read and to books on tape. Like I was always you book book. You were do- every day. Like there was, I was listening to either the Big Book online. You know, like in the I had bought it on iTunes, or it was listening to Joe and Charlie tapes, which are you know history of AA, or it was ARP, or it was something that had to do with recovery. Because like, there's no way you can not have it daily. Like, and just, your sponsor, how often are you talking to your sponsor? Um, pretty frequently, but I had friends in the program. But yeah. it, the the crazy part is like we have a lot of parallels. As, as much as you wanted to punch me in the face when you first came, <laughs> like we have we have so much, um, so much alike. And, and same thing with Lexi. Like even though she had it on the first one, you sounds like you had it on the first one too. Because like Lexi shared that when she came, she was broken too. Like there was zero hope left. But then, and only came, I think, because the therapist said, why don't you just try it before you throw in the towel? Mm-hmm. Try everything first. Yes. And so she went in, 
and same thing it was like whoa maybe this this is it and then like um you know it's nothing's personal because as a spouse even me as a spouse if lexi does something to me i take it personal right it's natural we all do that um but you find out like whoa maybe these people have like this is like way above my pay grade as far as understanding like what they've been through in their life you know neil i know some personal things about neil the life he's had is completely different than yours just like me and lexi she was raised in a perfect little Mormon family, and right. I, I wasn't. And there's right. a lot of things that have, at, like, at, at childhood, right? Like, right. I mean, when 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 your life or when uh, all of our lives should be safe, right? Like our kids, we both have kids, all three of us, and like think of how safe they are, you know, right now, and how comfortable they know that the mom and dad are gonna be home and life's gonna be good. But some of us, and I, I thought I had it bad, and then I met, uh, which I had a great life, but I had some things. But, um, you know, I didn't have a dad and some other stuff. But, like, then I would meet other guys that were like, <laughs> you hear their story, and they're like, whoa, I, I need to be grateful for, I need to stop making excuses. You know what I mean? I feel like each time I went, it sounds like you too, like I was breaking parts of my justification, my anger, mm-hmm. my hopelessness, totally. right? Right, and I think the, the most helpful thing for me before I finally decided to do the steps was that um, when I heard people share it broke down that like bitterness that I had toward Neil too because it's so easy to build up bitterness and resentment toward your spouse when they're hurting you over and over and you're just like seriously what is your problem and like why can't you stop hurting me and if you really did love me like you would just try a little harder you would figure this out or whatever And then you go into these meetings and you hear people in all humility, like, breaking down and just talking about, like, I just want to stop and I just can't and I don't know how and I don't know what's wrong with me and I feel so worthless. And I hear those people and I see them the way that God sees them. And it was like that transformation started to, yes. Which you described as a miraculous transformation. It was a miraculous transformation. To yourself. Well, and I even remember sharing, too, um, where I was like, I know this is a good thing, and I feel the spirit here, and I feel like I'm learning compassion, and I'm learning. Yeah, your share started to change. Yeah, they were changing, and then I also would say things like, I don't think I'll ever be able to say that I'm grateful for addiction. You'd always finish with something like that. But but I am grateful to be here, and that there's something better than just feeling like I'm sitting at home just with hopeless with no solution and so those things started to change for me and I felt like I was having a change of heart um but really the turning point the turning point in all of this was a year ago a little over a year ago actually in September when Neil had his last relapse and I just was like I I remember I don't know if you were there Jay but I came to the San Clemente meeting and I cried buckets like I from from the beginning of the meeting until the end I just sat and sobbed like I just tears just rolled down my eyes and I had just found out about another relapse and I was like I just don't know how many more times I can do this and I was I was broken to the point where I felt I remember thinking I physically feel like I just got ran over by a semi and I just don't know how many times my body can get up and like do it again and um I just couldn't even speak the whole meeting. I was so hysterically just, I mean, I wasn't making noise. I wasn't like sobbing like audibly, but I was crying. The, yeah. I cried the whole time, start to finish. And um, I called a friend. Was the other with you? Yeah. Okay. And he didn't say anything either because I think he just felt so bad about yeah. what he was putting me through. And um, I called um, that same friend, Mandy, and I was like, I just don't know what to do. And she was like, 
writing steps and I was like not really and I had just kind of dabbled in the steps a little were, bit. Were you thinking like why would I do the steps because I don't have the problem? No you know what I thought that for a long time but I had kind of gotten to the point where I had heard a lot of people say like if you want to change you got to do the steps and Mandy had said that and even not even non-addicts or spouses you uh, that? No or? that time we didn't have a lot of spouses. No so there really Lexi weren't spouses. There She's really just weren't, now doing Yeah there okay. really weren't spouses. So you just spouses. heard the statement if you want to change do the steps. That and then Mandy, Mandy was always very passionate about like I don't care if you're an addict or you're not everyone needs these steps and if you want the change in your life you need to do the steps and did, i had heard did, her did she say, how, where did she say this to you personally or is she she uh, had said that personally she writes it on her blog okay. she just is open about it yeah. and so and i knew that about her and i was just reaching that desperate point of i remember feeling like gosh like why is it that his actions are going to determine whether i can have peace in my life and whether i can feel like god is there to 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 be there for me and I was just tired of it and so um, I had dabbled in step one slash two and I done I actually had done step one and I was trying to be on step two but I was just like this is so ironic that I I remember I was like I just opened up step two and was starting to read it and try to fill out the questions and this is ironic that the step of hope is coming when like Neil has another no relapse hope. and I was like well where's my hope and she was like you need to push through and get to step three because step three for a spouse is really where you're going to feel the change. And did you do the ARP yes. step three or the yes. sp family spouse? No, one? no, no. Okay. Because so Mandy, Mandy was like, if you want to get really get to the root of what's going on inside of you and really mm -hmm. feel that like thorough change of heart, you need to do the real steps. And, and that means you read the step and then you filled out the questions yes. that's in the book. I'm it asks you questions like, steps. do you feel encompassed or trapped? Yeah. Do you, when do you feel this the most? And you wrote that. Yep. Okay. So I was stuck though on too, because I was like, I, where is my hope, Mandy? Where am I supposed to get hope here? And she was like, you've got to push through and get to step three because that's where it's going to change. And that's like exactly. Like a good sponsor. He's always saying it's the next step. Yeah, that's what happened. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I remember step three was like, wow, this. She's right. This is it. <laughs> this is it for at least for a spouse. I was like, okay, turning my will over to God and also just being like, I also made at the same time that realization, like, it's actually not my job to save Neil. And whatever he wants to do is his business. And it's only my responsibility to figure out my salvation. And whatever. I, I remember a reason when you said that, and I don't know if it was your first time saying it when you shared it, and mm -hmm. it was like, I could tell you felt very empowered. You're like, this, yeah. I, I can't save my spouse. And yeah. whatever, like, you I. You share started to shift. Yeah, I was like, that's that's a very powerful statement. And I remember like, you no matter what, what, no matter what, I remember you saying exactly, it was like, no matter what Neil does or doesn't do. I found that I can have peace in my life. Yeah. Which yeah, is huge because that, that, that was, was like over a year ago, it was the exact opposite. It was like, this is just, this is hell, which yeah. is naturally because it was. And it was. It was. And now it's not. Now it's all of a sudden becoming not because you're mm -hmm. doing the steps. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to do these steps and I'm going to be for real about it. And so um, step three was, was, that was the turning point for me. Like, that was what I needed. And then. So, th and by the way, real quick, so. This is a good point because we talk about this a lot. Um, you, you're doing the steps at this point with someone who doesn't even live by you, right? This is your friend, right? right? Like she was, right. she was so actually your sponsor. So that's what we're talking about is like yeah. she sometimes was your you don't have someone trusted advisor you. or sponsor. Exactly. And so when you would answer the questions, um, just do it you would phone. review those with her and say, here's what I wrote. Yeah, so here's a side note that I think is really cool about what you guys do. Like I, in 
if you read in the ARP manual, it does not use the word sponsor. It uses the word like trusted advisor, friend, right? In a couple of key places in step five, yeah. I think. And then step like, what is it? Eight, step eight. A couple seven. different ones, yeah, eight, nine. And, and then just tonight, 10 too. Even yeah. in 10, it talks about a trusted advisor, a friend, which in our interpretation is a sponsor. Um, and and that comes from the traditions of the 12 steps For sure. and also that you guys bring this chip thing like unless i haven't seen this somewhere does the arp program it, the, instruct the, you to the bring ARP chips man, the nothing instructed those chip. are traditions right. of, of aa and asa and i think that that's why we see so much success in this room this is my opinion yep. is that you've combined the traditions that work in mm -hmm. a in a traditional 12 step meeting and you've combined them with the fullness of the gospel in addiction, like the ARP program where we've got um, acknowledgement of the Savior Jesus Christ being the one that really does the saving here. Right. So because so. we're in the church culture, it's like, well, the manual doesn't say it. I can't do it. And yeah. and there's not a lot of instruction for ARP. Like it does. There's. It, there's not out there. And right. so I had just been a student and I've asked like, why do you do chips? Research, why does they do chips? Like they've been doing, there's these traditions because it works. Yeah. Right. And I asked, I asked a addicts in recovery, like what does it mean to you to get this? Why they're sitting there and they're staring at that. Like that is, I, I don't know, the, the church, if you look at the church and the temple, like there's tokens that mean things to us. Yeah. There's traditions and symbols and sayings that mean things and that are work. part of it and they work. And I firmly believe that Bill and Bob were inspired. Totally. And they're like, we're going to do this. Um, and so if you have a meeting that doesn't have it, and you, maybe you're just a participant, go to your group leader and say, hey, why don't we do chips? And they're going to say, well, because the manual doesn't say anything. I say, okay, but why does AA do it? We should do it. Yeah. Right. And and and, a sp and start that tradition. I'm going to challenge you to start that tradition. Right. Like as well as getting a sponsor, just just oh, a side oh. note like we, we we've we've Before mentioned that, a lot of times we tell people like hey if you don't got someone that's in your meeting that is able to sponsor you there's people that can do it like you reach out to a friend mm -hmm. who lives in another state right. totally far away and made it work it's not easy you both have families both are wives well, both raised yeah and you I, still made it ironic out. i talked to a group leader in uh, not around here and he was a new group leader and he's like can i ask you a bunch of questions <laughs> and then he's like you guys talk about sponsor all the time he's like uh, explain that to me and i was like well, that's when you read the manual, it says trusted advisor. That's that means sponsor. And mm -hmm. that's when you go to, and he's like, my son went AA and he talks about a sponsor all the time. I'm like, duh. Yeah. You know yeah. why your sponsor, why your son talks about that and why he got so because of the sponsor. Like you need to bring that to your meeting. He's like, I don't know why that never hit me before. <laughs> he's like, that just a get like he was just Let's do it. <laughs> he was like done. Like I've got four guys it would be perfect. And like it just never hit him before because it doesn't talk about it. and and he's never been to AA. Yeah. But it he, does. It does talk about it though, because like, it, so, you know, it step says, five. It says trusted advisor is yes, what the words. It just doesn't use the same word. But yeah. like step five was so powerful for me in a completely different way than it was powerful for Jay. Because like, I, I sat on step four for forever because I didn't want to write down all my crap. And then I finally was like, I, I just need to do this. Like it seriously. Whatever Mike said the one time on his podcast about like it takes 
90 days, 93 days for someone to do it, like 90 days to worry about it and three days to actually just sit down and get it done. Yeah, that mine was, was like a year. That was exactly what happened James to me. James harassed me until I did Well, I worried about it for like yeah, seriously forever. And then I finally, it took me three early mornings and I was done. Oh yeah, to actually do it once you I woke you're, up at five in the morning, three days in a row and did it for a couple hours. Once you finally had enough with like that feeling of worry, yeah. you're like, okay, I just got to do this. Yeah, I sat down. Either and way, it's going to either work or not work, but I'm going to be done. Right, and it was done. And I remember Jay talking about so many times, like he felt like he got ripped out of the water. Like that I was, could you know. Again, yeah. yeah, and I had that expectation. And when I did my step five, I went to my bishop first, and then I went to my sponsor or trusted advisor. And when I went to my bishop, um, I'm going to be honest, like I felt kind of awkward. Like I felt like it was kind of awkward. But... Um, I was like, I know this is a good thing, and it's good for me to, like, flush this stuff out and just get it out. And But then I sat down with Mandy, and we went step by – like, we went through every single thing, all my fears, all my resentments, and all my misdeeds. And as we went through those, like, we got to my fears, and there was a fear on there of, like, I fear that someday I'm going to die and that, like, I will not have squared with God on all the things that I've done wrong. And I just, like – started crying and was like I don't fear this anymore because I had taken that step to go to my bishop talk about everything and it's just been amazing to me like amazing is not even a, a yeah. sufficient word amazing is amazing it. is like a, such a lame word yeah. to try to describe like the trans transformation that has happened to me and the complete and total change of heart that has happened because I've done the steps. Not just showed up to the meeting, which yeah. felt good and which was, it, it helped chip away those layers of bitterness for me. But I learned to not hide behind the shadow of my husband's addiction and be like, it's his problem. I'm here to support. Like, that, which is just like, like great intentions. Like great intentions at first. But yeah, like, you got your own it struggles. put me on an equal playing ground with everyone else in this room. And I just, Doing the steps and having to like get the humility that forces you, that you that you're forced to find through spelling out all of your misdeeds, asking God to take away your your shortcomings, um, you know, making amends with people, all these totally. like really uncomfortable things that force you to look at what's wrong with you, has made our marriage so much more functional. It's ma- it's helped us to learn how to resolve these problems. And by the way, too. One really interesting thing in, um, like, my favorite recovery book for spouses, and for anybody for that matter, but especially for spouses is um, uh, Codependent No More. And she says in there, like, ironically, usually when a codependent spouse finally decides that they're going to take care of themselves and stop worrying about taking care of their spouse, magically, like, it all seems to they, just work out. They start taking care of themselves, and they <laughs> get sober, like, almost every time. Totally. And that's what happened with Neil. Like, when I started doing the stuff, fix him. You just worked on fixing yourself. I was like, I'm done trying to fix you. And you are obviously a lost cause. Yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. He was like, oh, now I have permission to work on myself. And I think there was a point, too, where he was like, I'm finally ready to be done with this, too. Yeah. And but that's huge. That's what happened. I mean, me and Lexi have talked. I mean, I, I wouldn't have started working on myself if she didn't finally say enough is enough too right, right? which is right. kind of the same thing different way of going about but um and we always talk about that we had a new couple come to our house not too long ago on a sunday 
and talk about what their struggles and where they're going. And now they're both going to meetings, which is great. I'm stoked for it. But we talked about like until you guys are both ready to stop fixing each other mm-hmm. and focus on individually about you know with yourself and, mm-hmm. and, and the things you need to work on, it'll never work because you're constantly never going to be on the same playing field. You'll both be pointing fingers, and we all know that doesn't work. But we just do it because it's just natural in the beginning until we find a new solution, and that new solution is is working on yourself. And me and Lexi, that's why we said like the therapy was great in the beginning. There were some key things we learned, um, but. The real therapy came from just going weekly and just once again hearing stories, connecting with other people, identifying with ourselves and other people, and then the whole time you're you know you're not talking to each other during the meeting, right? So like everyone's just sitting there listening, and then you're you do share. An individual. Yeah, it's like, and then and then when you leave, like I internalized something from that meeting, she internalized something from that meeting, and like yep. think about it, if you do that weekly, for five years. Me and Lexi have been doing this five years straight, like maybe a handful of weeks in five years where we didn't where we missed. And one of us didn't get to go to meeting, and they're like, that's a long, a lot of, when you look at that, that's a lot of weeks, it's 52 weeks times five, right? Like, where you're just constantly hearing solution and not focusing on each other. Or back in the day when we were first married, those first two years, that's all we did. Right. All we did was point each other, like, you to fix this. And it's just amazing to sit back and watch and, and to see where both of you are at, but especially you. And now you're such a huge asset for us in our meetings, and, and, and as you already know, because now we're having all these new people. We did a round of speaking in our stake, and all these new people are coming, and they all, of course, have wives that need help as well, or spouses, and you and Lexi, are, are, and especially you because you've done the steps. Lexi hasn't even finished yet. Um, but you're such an asset now. It's like what I was saying. Now you have a unique opportunity to help these people, and which, of course, you're already on because that's your personality. And But, like, so much with, like, now it's just, it's so, it's crazy to, like, right? It's just crazy. But, so, like, uh, just like an addict connected with an addict, a spouse connected with a spouse. It's the only one. If Jay says to a spouse, spouse you need to do the steps, they're going to go, I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah. But when you go, you need to do the steps. I can't have the level of sympathy. Like, like, first thing I do is, because I'll get spouses call me all the time, right? And I'm like, hey, look at, like, first of all, like, I'm the wrong person to talk to because I have have zero sympathy because that's not me. Mm -hmm. I have sympathy for an addict because I'm an addict. But I'm not the spouse with it. If I was, I would for sure. I just don't know how. I don't know what to right. do. But I said, my wife does. This girl named Corinda. It's like, and I. that's it. Like, you know, we had a few weeks ago. You remember, someone came out like, boom, you, Corinne, you need to go talk to her. Or I told that girl, I was like, you need to go talk to Corinne. You know, and it's like, and that's how the program worked. That's how it worked with me as walking in as an addict. The right. culture was in the beginning, seven years ago at these meetings, was, I mean, maybe spouses came every now and then. But for the most part, it was all addicts. And something changed, and it's Jay, miraculously that changed. You and Lexi changed that. Yes. I'm gonna say you guys were a major change in that, because it, it's hard. Like you said, a lot of a lot of you have kids. Like it's not it just you coming. It's I gotta get babysitters, and yeah. like I'm giving up maybe a Friday night date night yeah. for babysitting money or whatever yeah. to do this. But yeah. but I'm gonna credit you and Lexi a huge part of that, um, and part of the meeting does sit like like when I first set it up, it talks about the group leader bringing a spouse, mm-hmm. and I thought well. What, my wife is awesome, but like, what's she gonna bring to it? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. It's She's gonna bring something, it. but besides a female voice, but more powerful when you have spouses there and, and, sitting next and, to and you can see both. And like, you, when we have a room and like half of them are husband and wives at varying stages of, of mm-hmm. what they're going through, it I, there's nothing more powerful. It like, was, I, yeah. I don't like it's just it's oh, it words crazy. can't describe for yeah. sure. And I'm like. You know, I see that couple that's, you know, weeks or months, they're at that part where they want to punch everyone in the face. And then and they're, they're like, well, oh, they're on. like months in and they're year like. And then we have couples driving up from Oceanside. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just crazy. So, and then, but they get to come here and see 
Yeah. So it's, it's powerful. Yeah, it's it was very. Stuff. It's cool to watch. It was inspiring for us for sure to see you and Lexi. And there was part of me that kind of like was like it was weird. I almost like when people are like, um, "This is too good to be true," yeah, you know. And I sure. kind of felt that way a little bit about you guys. But then that's the cool thing when you hear people share. You're like, "But I can feel that they're being sincere. honest, yeah. like sincere." No yeah. yeah. And, and, then, and then you get to go hang out with you. I was like, oh, okay, they're flawed too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jay's, I, Jay's got some issues still. But I, you know, the first time we hung out, I was still just like, oh, no, awkward. these people are just, was so awkward. These people are just too. We left like, the first thing I said to Lexi on the drive home from Sacramento. I was like, I was like, she hates me. Like, oh, <laughs> that's what I knew. And of course, it had nothing to do with that. It was just like I could tell you were just so still bitter with the whole thing. I was. I was bitter. Which, about which we didn't understand either, too, because I was like, well, why would you bitter? He's working on a pro. Remember, once again, we didn't really know where Neil was at. Right. And um, and that was huge, too, when Neil finally was like, I'm going to get honest with everybody. For sure. Here. And then and then he did. Because like, I remember telling him, I'm like, bro, you got to start sponsoring people. Like, you, you, you know, every time he'd call me for himself, mm-hmm. he's really good at talking about stuff that didn't seem like it was he needed help you know what i mean and so i would get help from the stuff he'd talk about because like it was a new perspective right anyways right and um crazy how far we've all come it really is and it's it's like neil always had that goodness in him and he had the knowledge and it was like the same thing as when you go to church and you have great knowledge but if you're not putting that knowledge into faith without works is dead right so that's kind of what was going on with him for a long time until he finally was like okay i'm actually going to do these steps too and that's Mm -hmm. where his change of heart came and I'll let him yours. talk about that when it's his yeah. turn. But Same for me, like, I I really thought I would never, ever be able to say I'm grateful for addiction. Are like, you those, grateful? Can those you say that Those words were just like, you, like, I think I remember you saying that. And I've said it so many times now because I feel like coming into this room and hearing people share, there are only a few other things that I feel like I can do that bring the spirit the same way. Like being in the temple being here and watching like those very, very sacred transformations happen with people who find, you know, they find the atonement of Jesus Christ through this 12 step program and they utilize this thorough, uh, it's a thorough repentance process, you know, and, and you watch people actually, I mean, how many times do we get to have an insider's view of someone going from like, I'm a lost wreck, hopeless mess to like, I have gone through you twelve steps stories and every week. You hear yeah. your new story every week. Yeah, and seeing that transformation, and then seeing it within myself too, of being like, I hate everyone here, and I'm bitter against you're, this you're, whole thing. You're that one. I hate it. You're the to transformation where now. I'm thankful for right. this addiction. And not like, not only am I thankful, but I love the people in this room deeply. Oh, like it, I, and it comes off in your shares. Like there's nothing. There's nothing more sincere than when you share about everything you've just shared on this podcast, but in a shorter version, and you're just like. And I know the women who are who are. I know that they're you are blessing the lives of so many of these families. Like, and I know these these guys that are coming with their spouses who are like on the verge of their wife still separated or whatever. They're going, oh my gosh, yes, she's here tonight. I promise yeah. you, they're saying oh, that. Yeah. They're going, I oh my gosh, my I've had them tell me that. I've had I've had a few different guys going. Oh man, I'm so happy I brought my wife tonight because I didn't know if Corinne, you know, and 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 I remember the one time you guys couldn't be here because you're out of town. It wasn't like you were here and you just didn't come. You're out of town. And they were like, oh, I was hoping I brought my wife. You know what I mean? Is she gonna be here next week? So I already know that Heavenly Father, obviously, the reason why he he 
he helps us break our anonymity and gives us strength and all this stuff is because of course it's to give it to us someone else and you are for sure fulfilling that and there are miracles that are you just your testimony alone right that's all we really do is just share this stuff but that's enough like that's enough to inspire someone that's enough and you being on the podcast takes it another level and that's why we've we've always wanted you on it and it's been amazing to to watch it's just probably just as amazing as it was for someone to watch me you know anyone else like that's just how it is and it's it's great and it's you could have just took this recovery and disappeared right and been like okay we're cured now i'm good i don't have any resentments neil keep going and i'll bounce because i know women that have done that i know men that have done that. i know all these people that have done that but that um, doesn't last it doesn't work they always come back crying <laughs> yeah and and you got you i haven't seen you walk in crying you know and it's because you're consistent it doesn't mean hard times aren't going to come it just means that you're always going to have your your foundation's laid and you're like still now you're you're adding people to that foundation almost, right? You're adding new experiences with others. And I know you're helping with other women. So applaud you for that. And you're helping us. Yep. Like it's, we all. Everyone's just, yeah. So Corinne, thank you so much. This is a long form one. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed no it. People, it. I don't out. think we need to do news. Just we'll, saying. We have to do a quick. Uh, no, I don't want to do news. This is so good. Like we don't, <laughs> I don't even want to tap it. Oh, yeah. Like one thing. All right. We got to talk about the scouts. Oh, yeah. That was a big okay. one. I'm so tired. All right. Until next time. Corinne, thank you so much. Thank you, seriously. You're amazing.